Welcome to the Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast with your host, Cody Jansen. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Episode 5 of the Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast, brought to you by CSD Tires and hosted by me, Cody Jansen. We have a killer show lined up for tonight with some awesome guests to help cover everything going on in the ATV world right now. But before anything else, I have to thank our show sponsors for all their support. Without these brands, this show would just be a thought and not a reality. Thank you to our title sponsor, CSD Tires, csdtires.com. I referred to the Pulse MXR tire as being like a cheat code in the last episode. Don't believe me? Just ask Thomas Brown and Nick Janusa, who were both on the pro podium at Redbud with the help of CST Tires. Join the CST Takeover or prepare to be beat by someone who did. Thank you to SSI Decals and their presenting sponsorship of our Redbud live show. The live show with Team USA ended up being so damn cool and a huge hit, but it would have never happened without SSI. Make your identity stick with the baddest-ass graphics in the industry. Thank you, SSI Decals. Thank you to DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 X-Ring Chain. You can thank them for bringing our featured guests each week. Thank you to 4Works Carbon for coming on board. They've been running all kinds of killer deals on hoods, seat covers, and other accessories. You can head over to their Facebook page to check out those deals. Thanks, as always, to Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant. Upgrade to Evans now to avoid overheating and boil over next time you are on the racetrack, even if conditions are tough. Thanks to DP Brakes, the unquestioned leader in motorsports and power sports braking. I once heard a rider on the podium thank DP for allowing them to outbreak the competition. Well, I'm going to steal that. Thanks, DP, for allowing me and so many others to outbreak the competition as well as supporting my podcast. Thanks to Oats Overnight for partnering with us. Life is hard, so make breakfast easy. Simply combine with milk before bed and enjoy your to-go breakfast in the morning. Overnight oatmeal loaded with superfoods, perfect for athletes. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP10 to save at checkout, oatsovernight.com. And thanks to 100% and their new Armega Goggle that's all the buzz right now, unparalleled performance for the modern racer. We've been giving away 100% prizes as a part of our fan question segment, and we thank those guys for supplying us with those goodies. We pride ourselves in partnering with only the best brands in the industry. Improve your ride and your lifestyle by supporting the sponsors who support us. Thanks again to all of our sponsors. All right, so as I mentioned, we have a great show ahead. Here in the Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant Site Lab segment, we preview what's in store for tonight's show. Sean Taylor will join the show to talk all things ATV, MX, past, present, and future. So excited to have him on. Um, we'll also talk about the live show, all the craziness that was Redbud, and look forward to the last four motos of the season here. We'll also be joined by Nick Janusa, fresh off his first career podium in the pro class. Really looking forward to that. Looking forward to having him on. And we're also going to be joined by EDTTT Pro, and I believe we can now officially refer to him as a legend, Mitch Reynolds. He'll also join the show to talk to us about the legendary weekend that just happened in Astabula at Pine Lake. So with that, let's welcome our first guest of the night. I've been pumped about having this guy on for weeks now. He's a regular podcast listener, and he's been super public about his excitement for the show, um, pumping it up a lot. 
He was a successful racer in his own right with a big-time following. He's a guy that I battled with a countless amount of times, literally um, could not count all the battles. We always found each other on the racetrack. Um, so pumped to have him join us. I'm talking about Sean Taylor, everybody. Welcome to the show, Shawnee T. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I'm ready to dig deep into some ATV motocross. Hell yeah, man. We're, we're really excited to have you, um, especially because you're really connected with you know, the guys that are still, um, you know, right at the front of the pro class, you're still super connected with ATV motocross, even though you're not at the races every weekend. So, uh, so yeah, super grateful to have you. What do, what are you up to these days, Sean? Oh, ever since I, you know, reti- retired from ATV motocross, I'm working, uh, working a nine to five job now. Um, I work at a Chevy dealership in the service department. Um, when I'm not, you know, when I'm not working, I get my kids every other weekend and during the week. Um, so when I don't have them on the weekends, I try to get out, you know, hang out with friends. Um, I live out here at a private lake and I got some friends with some boats and stuff. So we try to, during the summertime, we're trying to get out on the boat and do a little wake surfing here and there. And I just, uh, you know, trying to stay busy. I miss, I miss the racing. I miss going to the races. And, you know, I think more importantly, I miss, you know, you make, you make so many friends when you're racing the series and, um, you know, you know, traveling so much, you make so many friends and family. So I, that's what I miss the most. So it's, it's kind of a bummer that I don't get to go to the mini races and as much anymore. Uh, there's only a couple that are close to me, which would be like Redbud, Ironman, and Walnut. Um, I made it to Walnut this year, but you know that was a mud race, so that kind of kept me, you know, hanging out in one area most of the time. I didn't really want to be out walking around in the rain. Right. So yeah. yeah, that's basically what I've been up to. Well, uh, so so you're kind of living the normal person life now. Um, yeah. So it's probably safe to say that you could use some more ATV motocross in your life. So that's kind of what uh, the podcast is good for, kind of gets those juices flowing. The next best thing from being at the races is getting to talk about it for sure. Yeah, definitely. I'd, when you said that, when I saw read that you were coming out with this podcast, it pumped me up. Because like you said, I listen to podcasts. Um, I listen to just about anything. Um, it's murder, crime. Uh, I try to stay in with, you know, the dirt bike side of things. Um but yeah, it just, uh, I think it's great for the sport. It keeps people, you know, tuned in with what's going on that, you know, for like me, I don't get to go that much. And you know, I try to try to keep up on the results and, you know, with the people that do race, I try to talk to them, see, you know, how the weekend go, because things aren't really, you know, televised. You don't get to see everything right away until, you know, ripped up films will come out with something right. um, with his videos and stuff. So, you know, it's awesome. And, you know, as depth as you go into it, it's it's nice to kind of be filled in on some things that you know I may not heard over the weekend. So yeah, definitely, I'm I'm pumped for this podcast. Well, yeah, I mean that's the that's kind of the goal here, and I almost didn't even realize the impact we could kind of have ahead of time. Um, but yeah, the more the more educated we can make people, like, and the more you know, the more backstory you know. Like, I care more about the racing than ever before, and I I mean like you. You know, I eat, you know, eat, sleeped, and breathed it, and I still care more about it now. And I find myself watching all the racing, very similar, very similar to the live show um, that we're going to get into a little bit. Like I'm already more pumped for um, the Team USA Quad Cross of Nations race this year more than ever before, just because like I know so much more about the event, about the guys, about the dynamic. Like it's got me already pumped, and it's months away. Yeah, I I like the I like the you know Team USA the Quad Cross of Nations you know when they first did that um, 
it was just, it was crazy that that's, you know, that it happened and those guys went over there and for them to go over there the first year and to bring it home, you know, win it, you know, it was crazy. And then they go back over a second year, you know, they bring over Restrelli, you know, Hetrick didn't go. Um, and then they go over there again and they do it again. They bring it back home. And then now it seems like, you know, this year it's just been that it's not, you know, like on the dirt bike side of things, you don't really hear about, uh, the motocross of nations until like this time of year. Now it's starting to kind of be talked about. Whereas, you know, the quad side, it's being talked about all year. You know, they're constantly doing, you know, fundraisers and stuff for it to, you know, help those guys get over there, you know, cause it's kind of a different aspect for, you know, they've got to kind of do it by themselves, you know, get everything over there. It's all hauled over on a crate, you know, on a boat, all, all the guys' quads are together. It's not separate. So, um, yeah, I'm pumped up for it. I definitely, it's like I was just thinking about this the other day when, you know, when I, you said you asked me to be on this and we were going to talk about that, that I've always wanted to go or ever since they started going, I want to go, you know, not necessarily race it, obviously, but um, I like the mechanical side of things. I want to go. I want to help out. I want to be a part of the team. If there's something I can do, that's definitely on. I would say if they're going to keep doing it, it's a bucket list of mine to go over and and be a part of the team and, you know, help out in some way or, you know, offer my services to those guys if needed. Sure. I mean, because at that point you're a part of it, you know, and, um, very, you know, I, I mentioned it on that live show, but there's very few things in our sport where you get, uh, that kind of team feel from. And, uh, but that's definitely one of those things because I had said to Chad on that first podcast that I did with him, but you're halfway across the world and you have a very small group of Americans that are trying to get this thing done when it probably feels at some points like literally every single person is against you. They might be like like a fan of you but it's all these countries against the united states basically yeah that's what like we were talking what was it, like last week or something that was that's what i was kind of wondering you know it's not you know these guys go over there and it's not like a bunch of americans or you know or like hey let's let's go to the quad cross of nations let's let's buy tickets go over go over there watch these races and stuff i'm sure it's not like that at all i'm sure they have there's very very few americans over there watching the race other than who's over there a part of team usa exactly exactly so um yeah we'll get into the we'll get into the live show a little bit and talk about that but before we do i want to talk about about you sean i want to talk about uh i want you to be able to tell kind of your racing story so where did it all start for you um it started i was I started out, my dad bought me a, a Polaris. I had a Polaris, like, uh, it was like a utility four-wheeler, I would say. And one of my friends, they had, like, 80 acres, and we had trails and stuff we rode on. Well, then um, there was a couple other friends in town here. I live in a small community, like 1,500 people. Okay. Um, there were a couple other people that were, that they would they raced. And back then, it was, like, your, your 400 EXs. And people were building, or like the 250Xs, and then people were putting like a 350X inside in that yep. chassis. You know what I'm talking about, that yeah. chassis? Yep, I do. Yep. So they were like, you know, we got to track it. My grandpa's house, you know, you need to come out come out and ride it sometime. So, um, you know, this is irrelevant, but my parents were going through a divorce at the time. And my dad, I, my dad would take, we went out there and rode. And um, so I, by that time, I started jumping and, you know, I liked going out there. So my dad was home for a while. He drives a truck for Walmart and yeah. they're doing all that. I think that he, he took me that took me out there because, you know, he knew I enjoyed it, but also he, it was something for him to get away from everything else that was going on. So oh, okay, um, sure. started, 
I started jumping this thing more, and then the next thing you know, I'm snapping axles on it, <laughs> blowing the roof shock out of the thing, and so then we upgraded to a Yamaha Blaster. Okay, and so so how old are you at this time? I'm probably, let's see, they went through that. Um, I'd say I'm probably around the age of 11, or, 11 and okay. 12. Okay, okay. And so I get on a Blaster. <clears throat> I don't know how, I didn't have the Blaster very long before. I know I had it like in the, I got it in the wintertime. So I would say that next spring, summer, I attended my first non-sanctioned AMA race. It was like a stadium-style track. Um, up in Waterloo, Iowa, um, at the, the Cattle Congress is what they called this place. You know, I'm, back then, I thought the place was awesome. Okay. And, um, so we went up there. Of course, I crashed my first race. They had like a whoop section. I went in there. I went through those. I went over the bars, whatever, raced the C-Class. Well, then I was hooked after that. We were going. That's the place where we were going because I wasn't old enough to have an A, you know, to race the AMA sanction at the time. Sure. So, um, so that's where we started going. Well, then... From there, we upgraded to, um, I don't know if you know Brad Phillips. Brad Phillips did all the um, premise industries, yeah. did the Carpe Diem movie, yep. he's beating the off. Yep. Um, we got hooked up with him because it was like, he was from Iowa, Nate Freeze was from Iowa, Nate Freeze was a pro rider back then, I don't know if you're familiar with I him do. or not. I yep, yep, sure am. Uh, Corey Eldebrock, um, all those guys, those guys all raced the Nationals at the time, so I never saw them at any of the local races that I went to. I always heard about them through the, my other friends that I raced with. Um, or that we would go with, they always talked about those guys, but they're like, oh, they're all racing the Nationals, blah, 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 you know. And so I got, ended up buying a 250R from Brad Phillips and, you know, continued to race there, raced that for a while, and then upgraded to a um, 350, an LRD 350 power valve that I bought from <laughs> one of my buddies from here. He raced with that group too, Dave Sutherland. Okay. And so now I'm on, by this time, I think I'm up in the B class racing the B class, but I'm still only, I'm probably only 15 years old at the time. And, you know, we're doing all the Iowa series stuff, you know, back then the series, you know, Illinois had a huge series. I'm sure Wisconsin probably had a big yeah. series back. Then. Yep. Um, this is probably, I want to be at the Iowa B class championship in 2004. Okay. I was, I was only 15 years old and my first A class race, I was only 15 years old and I was still on that 250R well, then um, I came into meeting up with uh, a guy by the name of Rich Richmeyer. I remember. People, you know Richie. I know you guys You guys know Rich, and people that are probably listening, or, you know, they know Rich Richmeyer, and that's, we ended up, we went up to his shop. Rich lived about 30 minutes from me, and at the time, he was mechanicking for, um, I think it might have been Ben Jackson, maybe, when Team Cannondale. Yeah, when the Cannondale I sure do. Was, yep. he, was a, he was a mechanic for them. And, uh, they, that's how I met him. And well, then I, we ended up buying a TRX 450. I think it was an 04 from him. And I was racing the, then I, so then I went to a, a four stroke and that's when, once I met up with him, that's kind of when the national series started, started kind of coming into play. And he knew Ian Harris, he knew Seth Bliggy, um, who does all the PEP suspension stuff like the Illinois in the Illinois area. Um, well, then he also knew Weenan in a way. And um, so we started started racing. You know, we did. I think we went to my first national was Redbud 05. And I remember going there. It was raining. Um, it rained the whole weekend long. And I remember Nick DeNoble blowing by me in the A class. <laughs> and some of those names were, that you know, those guys were all amateurs at the time. Yeah. And yep. 
I Weenan, I remember seeing Chad Weenan for the first time racing in the pro class. Pro class, he was on a he was on a uh, Honda 450. He, he had that like candy apple red frame uh-huh. with the black plastics and yeah. Didn't he have like J, like JPMX graphics on it or something? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I can picture yeah. it. He uh, so then we started. You know, that's how we kind of raced. Well, then um, you know, fast forward a little bit. I remember going. We, that was our first one. Well, then the next year after that was when Walnut held their first ATV national. So we, I did Redbud and uh, Walnut that year. Um, but then that's when I think Chad, yeah, Chad was still on a Honda, and I think Chad podiumed at that that Walnut that first race they had there. Um, but anyways, Rich was Rich kind of mechanic for Chad for a little while before he signed with Suzuki, and it was only for a couple races. He went down to Texas with Chad, and I think might have helped him help him build a bike. And I remember, and I hadn't met, I'd have not met Chad Weenan at this point. And um, I remember going up to Rich's one time. I was taking the quad up there because I didn't work on my stuff back then. I was, you know, I had no idea what anything did. I just rode the darn thing. Well, that, that, yeah, that, a typical story because at that point we're so young still. Exactly, too. exactly. So I remember driving. I was probably, I mean, I had to have been over, I had to have been 16, I was probably 17. And I remember going up there and going into Rich's shop and walking in the door and I got this smell and, you know, at the time, didn't know what it was. And I'm like, what's that smell? And Rich, like, pointed over. And there was one of Weenan's quads, Honda's 450, sitting over there that Rich had built. And he said, that, that's Weenan's quad. And it, it was like, you know, there he was running the VP race fuel and stuff. But that's what the smell. And I just, like, I went over there and, like, just <laughs> walked around this thing. Just like, oh, my God. You know, Chad Weenan's pro TRX 450s in this guy's shop right now. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of how it all started. Well, then we... We went to, um, in 09, we went to Alabama. We started going to that Pell City race in Alabama. And I was running the A-class then, and we, that was the season opener there. And I won open A. I won the overall in open A, and I won the o- overall in four-stroke A. And, you know, we weren't, you know, racing serious at the time. We were just hitting a few nationals. Well, then, like, we were driving home. And my dad was all pumped up about it. And he's like, well, now, you know, we're going to have to figure out a way. You're going to have to go to the next one now because you're leading the points. So, you know, it'd be stupid not to go. And I ended up doing the whole series that year. I had some friends that traveled and we worked it out to where I'd drive to their houses. I was either going to a friend's house in St. Louis or a friend's house in Illinois and was riding with them and, and did the whole series that year. And from that year, that year on, I did the series every single year. Sure. Yeah. I, Cause I remember, um, I remember Oh nine, and you win in those first two races, or first race, those both classes, and um, I wasn't going to all the races at the time, but that, like, stamped you, you know, because you know how it is at the beginning of the year, when somebody does that, like, everybody notices, like, holy yeah. shit, this guy just, the, just won. That was the crazy thing about it is was, like, you know, kind of backtracking a little bit, I remember going to the Nationals, and... And I when once I started doing them up into like you know to the pro level, I remember kids coming to the nationals and me always telling them they were racing locals like, hey, I, this is your first one. Like I've been there, I know what it's like, you know, to come there and the speed that the other kids have that you're racing against is just is unreal. You're not used to that pace and and I just remember how nervous I was racing. I remember going out and practicing with Thomas Brown and Nick DeNoble, Greg G, all those guys were running sixteen to twelve what's sixteen to twenty four or college yeah. players. Yep, sixteen to twenty four. That was like a that was like like A class or even better at the time. Like that yeah. was the class. 
those guys were pro-am running that class. Uh-huh, right? yeah, you're exactly right, yep. And um, so, yeah, it was, I mean, it took me a little while to adjust to that speed, and, you know, then you know how it is, yeah, you once you race that, you get used to how that is, and you kind of adjust to that to where it's, you know, you're used to racing at that level, but, yeah, that's how, it, that's kind of how I got started into that, that national series. I didn't end up winning the championship that year. I, I had a... Um, I DNF'd, I think it may be Pleasure Valley. I had a stater go out and, um, and I just kind of, the, as the season went on, I don't know. I, I mean, I was young. It was hard for me to focus. I was, you know, it's not like I had like a group going to the race with me. It was, I was driving. My dad couldn't go. He, you know, he, like I said, he drove a truck and stuff. So he was basically just kind of shipping me off and right. I was kind of going and trying to, you know, do it by myself in a way, you know, with other people there. But, you know, the fact that, uh, it meant more to me to be able to go and do the whole series because that's what, you know, that's what it was about, you know, racing your four wheeler with your friends and traveling at that time. That's what it was about for me. And for me to be able to do that, that's what was more, it, that came to me a lot more than, you know, the championship back now, looking back on it, what I wish I wouldn't won a championship. Yeah. But at the time it was to be able to just even make it to the race. That was awesome for me. So it's, yeah, it's so, it's so crazy how um, like your outlook and memories even change over time. You know, I, I tell people all the time that memories like that are ones that get fonder over time because you just wish that you could go back and kind of live that carefree kind of lifestyle of being younger and just enjoying the races. Um, yep. So, yeah. So I remember, like I said, I remember you winning those races at the beginning of the year. And like, that's when, you kind of burst out of the scene, at least, you know, from me, from watching it from afar. And I remember you from then on, like, there was always a buzz around your name. Um, even, like, you you came up here and raced a local race by us, and it was like, that was oh, my. The, that was the, the Quad Olympics, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I came up there with Richard Schmeier. I remember doing that. They, what was it? They had, like, a, a TT, uh-huh. BMX. Yep. Yeah, I remember. I remember us battling. You won. You won that. I think Johnny Hale might have been there, and I'm not sure. I think you might have beat him too. But I remember battling. I remember battling with you at that Gravity Cavity track. Yeah. That track was fun. That Supercross. It track. was. Yeah, it was fun. I just remember I was so nervous, and uh, because you know Sean Taylor was here. You know what I mean. So, um, so yeah, those were those were the days, and um, so yeah, I think that was that was '09. So I think that that would have been the same year that. Um, you were doing well in the A class and kind of gypsying your way around the country there, getting to the races, yep. and then 2010 is when you went to pro am, right? Yeah, I think um, I think I actually jumped to pro am at Redbud. Excuse me, Redbud 2009. Okay, and uh, I'm pretty sure that's when Cody Gibson was racing on the Cal- on the Wal- Walsh Kawasaki. Okay, um, maybe Devin Himes, uh, Billy Cottage was in there. I know that Travis Moore. Yeah, there was some. So, so was that the year that there was four qualifiers in Pro Am Unlimited at Redbud? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was yeah. in there too. I guess I, I forgot. I forgot. Uh, I forgot. There were so many guys back then; it was hard to even keep track. But yeah, I remember. Like you had to get like fourth or fifth in the was, qualifier uh, to make it. Like fourth, you had to get fourth to make it. Top four out of the qualifier, and then so then that would have given yeah yeah it was top four, and then I think they took. What was it out of the uh, from there from out of the LCQ? I they think must they, took. they must have taken four. I think they took four because okay. four and so there's sixteen. Yeah, there's. But I remember because I raced. Um, I raced 
the 300EX in 07 for the national championship against Jeffrey. And so, yeah, then I remember like Jeffrey and I were battling that year, um, what would have been 09 at Redbud. And yeah, it was like the 300s all over again. So anyways, I just wanted to, wanted to throw 452, right? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So I just yeah. wanted to throw in there that, uh, that yeah, you had to, you had to be top four in your qualifier because there was like 50 dudes in Pro-Am trying to make it. I, and I remember the pro am production class ran that that pr- the pro section okay and that double they called the hammer of Thor which I mean it's not like I mean it was big and that was like my, the most nervous thing I remember telling my dad you know we were talking about it and he's like you're gonna have to hit it and I was like I know it's it's huge <laughs> he's like oh you're fine you can do it and I remember going it took me a few laps I remember hitting it I think I hit it like because there were stories that like Sage Baker rode a Can-Am and he overjumped it. He followed somebody over and he overjumped it and snapped his frame in half and stuff. Yeah, and I'm just yep. like, I don't want to die on this thing, you know? You know, the, the funny thing did. is, the funny thing is, is last weekend, somebody was telling me about, or, or at Redbud, somebody was telling me about, yeah, this guy, he hit this jump and his bike broke in half. <laughs> so the legend lives on. That was a sketchy jump. Yeah, Sage Baker. And I think he said, they said he followed Weenan over it and Weenan scrubbed it and Sage did it. And Sage broke his frame in half. Well, I hit it. I think I hit it like fourth tapped. And I remember like it shoot me so high in the air and like the landing going past me and I flat landed it. And I like, obviously, I, you know, I lived. And, yeah, uh, right. I, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that was, I remember coming back to the pits. My dad was amped up about it that I'd hit it. And, you know, it's like, okay, we got, we got that pass now. You know, let's go to the show. Let's go, you know, let's go race now. You know, that was like the obstacle that we had to get through to get our mind prepared to run Pro-Am that weekend. So, yeah, I, I bumped up to Pro-Am at the end of 09 and then, you know, ran Pro-Am, ran Pro-Am the next year. And I remember Pell City that following year, which would have been 2010, there were four four qualifiers at Pell City too. Yeah, that was those were that was like the heyday, especially for Pro Am was like the biggest class at the races of those weekends, you know. Yep. So yep. what what do you remember from your first your first year in Pro Am there? I remember it was tough. I remember, like I said, you know, you had there were some guys in there. I'm not not taking away from. It, it seems like everybody, you know, people that raced before me that you know, that ended up kind of stepping away that always said like, oh, this class was, you know, these guys were the fastest and, you know, these guys are the fastest. The kids nowadays, you know, the classes like the Pro-Am class, I'd love to see that Pro-Am gate stack, you know, 20 guys on there just so they can get a feel of it. Um, but like I said, when I, when I jumped up there, you know, I had Billy Cottage. Billy Cottage was ripping hole shots all the time. Um, Travis Moore, you had Casey Martin was on a Polaris <laughs> and, uh, uh, Trying to think who else, you know, you had those guys, yeah, they had some guys from Florida that were fast. Devin Himes was one of them. Yep. Cody Gibson. Um, it, yeah, it was just, it was insane. And it took me a while. I didn't, I don't think I did very well, um, that often. I did podium in 2010. Um, I did podium at Walnut that year in Pro-Am Unlimited. And I was on the box with Jeffrey and, uh, Jeffrey and Joel that year. And I remember, um, I whole shotted, I whole shot at one of the motos, and I think I got maybe a second or a third. I remember Hestrick blew by me on his Kawasaki, and uh, uh, but yeah, that was that was a decent year. I guess I would say it was kind of a stepping stone for me to you know kind of get some confidence in there. And it was back then. I think you had in some of those you had to qualify or like you had time qualifiers. Yep. And I always struggled. To, I always struggled in time qualifiers, and I think it took me a year or so to where. 
and maybe it was just that I didn't have the I would I didn't have the confidence in myself that uh, know you know like hey you go out there you're just as good as these guys and you belong you belong up front and um, but I remember it took me a little while to finally be able to you know throw down some good times to have good gate picks I would I would say I was always just I was always just nervous but that's just that's me I would say I would. Uh, I'm I'm kind of a mental head case in a way to where like if something's off with me mentally it throws it throws off everything and that's probably sure. what I struggled with the most. Well, I think too back then the classes were so fast. I mean, I was the same way. Even it's funny you bring up jumps and stuff because I'd be all I was thinking about I was just worried about getting all the jumps down and then after that then it was like worrying about racing and then it was all these guys and it was like yeah it was very easy to get inside your head because there was there was like I don't know I can't even name a number there was more than 10 guys that you could see like literally finishing on the podium so yeah so, so that was 2010 um in 2000, 2011 you missed some races I thought uh I guess I got hurt um so I, I got a deal with Lone Star and the, the way that was going to the whole plan with the Lone Star deal was um, they gave me a whole bunch of parts for to build two bikes. I think it was what it was. And it was everything Lone Star. Um, excuse me. And uh, the plan was to go out to Lone Star. I was going to take my truck and camper out there and um, take my truck and camper out there and stay at Lone Star shop and race. They have uh, like a West Coast series kind of thing. And there was a kid that was working out there that was racing at the time. Well, I'd left to go out there, and my uh, truck ended up blowing up just on the south side, of, on the south end of Iowa. So I had to come back home, and um, I ended up going to Splendora, Texas that year. And that's when J- uh, Chad was down there on a Can-Am. Joel Hetrick was down there on his Kawasaki. And I can't remember... If Joel was gonna, if Joel was running pro that year, did Joel, Joel went pro in 2011? Yes, he did. He? Yep, yep, he did. Okay, so Joel, yes, Joel was training to go pro on the Cowie. Okay, so I ended up going down there, and I didn't know. I knew Chad a little bit. Um, at the time, he'd come. Chad had come and raced some Iowa local races and stuff, and um, I'd raced against him a little bit here. And then Joel, I kind of met Joel, talked to him a few different times. So yeah, I ended up going down there and I broke my collarbone in probably the end of January uh, riding down there. So I missed the opener at Aona Pass and then I think I might have made the next one and I made maybe one or two and then we went out to Maryland and it ended up I we were out we were practicing on Friday. That was the year that was the year that Nick Noble podiumed out there. Yeah, yep. For that. Yep. I and do. That, Ain't really bad on that Saturday, yep. so I didn't rate pro am. But I remember my shoulder. I was like, something just doesn't. I was with one of my friends at the time. That's we just drove his motorhome and stuff out there. I was like, something doesn't. My shoulder's sore. Something doesn't feel right because I had it. I had it plated, and the, okay. with the way it was plated, it was like it was cracked in half, shattered. So I had seven screws and and a plate in it. And they're like eight weeks. You'll you'll be back to normal. You'll be fine. So I you know I did that. I got released to start training again and you know lifting and you know doing all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I remember riding practice on Friday and it was sore. Well then come Sunday the track was dried up because it was, you know that was kind of sandy. And you know how Maryland had those hills and stuff. Yeah, I remember sure coming did. Down the hills, remember coming down the hills and I couldn't. I didn't have any strength to to be able to you know push back. I you know keep my butt back and stuff on the quad. 
and there was a lump there again in the shoulder and I ended up calling, you know, calling it off and, you know, just because I couldn't race at all. So when we got home, I went to the doctor and the doctor said your collarbone had broke the, the no, I'm sorry, the plate broke in half. So basically it was a starting all over again. The collarbone was broken half. The plate was broken oh half in there. There was nothing. There was no. Basically, he's like, you know, you might as well just let it heal. So that's what I did. And it seemed like it took forever for it to heal. And I finally got cleared to ride again at the end of June. And I remember racing in a local race out here at Fun Valley here in, in town, um, uh, July. It was, I think it was July 4th weekend. And I think that was the same weekend that Wien erected his house and broke his back. Oh, really? Yeah. So that, so that year was basically scrapped for you. Yeah. So, basically. so when, so you being down in Splendora and then D became a part of Root River that next year, right? So was that the Root River connection or was that, yeah, I don't know if I really played a role, and I remember I can't remember who was doing my my engines at but the time. But was but was you being in Splendora, and then D going to Root River? Was that uh, did that play a role in you being on the Root River team then in 2012? No, I don't I don't think so because I remember in that summer we uh, that's how I met D was I didn't know D at all until I went down to Splendora. Okay. Um, Joel, I kind of, like I said, I knew Joel a little bit and, you know, we'd talk back and forth, you know, social media, text. And, um, you know, I asked, I asked him if it would be okay to come down and he said he asked D and D said it was okay. And when I got there, that's how I kind of formally met D Manchak was, you know, like, Hey, I'm Sean Taylor, you know, that thanks for letting me come stay at your guys' track and, you know, all that crap. And, uh, and then I remember through that summer or when I was hurt, I remember talking to my dad like, hey, we should uh, let's, you know, let's get one. of Let's try one of these heads. You know, it's it's you know, there's I know I had some friends that were running his stuff and had some, you know, had good success with it. So we did that. And then it uh, Loretta's one of my friends. Well, you know, uh, Bubba Hicks, Dalton Hicks, he uh-huh. kind of rode. He somehow was incorporated with that Root River team already. And I'm not sure you know, how he, you know, what the connection was, but I think that's probably kind of how it all, uh, how it all started. Because I remember that year at Loretta's, I, you know, I introduced, I think I introduced D and them to, uh, Rich Gillette, you know, he was, cause they were looking at different, you know, who was going to build their engines, et cetera. And, um, and then they let me ride. They let me take one of their quads out, um, for practice on that Friday. So we were already kind of talking, um, about, you know, setting something up, doing a deal for the next year. So that I say that's how it all kind of started, you know, whether I had, whether D had anything to do with me on the team or I had anything with D getting, I don't, I wouldn't say so, but that it all kind of seemed that all that kind of started, that talk started at Loretta's that year. I see. So then, so yeah, I do remember, um, Bubba Hicks, he ran Root River stuff. I mean, he had like a parts allotment or got a parts deal from them or something even years prior. So seems yeah, like, yeah. seems like all those pieces kind of fit together for you where your yeah. group kind of messed with the Splendora group and it all kind of fit. Yeah, um, yeah. so what was, so that started in 12. What was yeah. it like? What, what was, cause you spent like what, three or four years with Root River? Yeah, I was with Root River from 2012 to I went. Well, I rode that first year pro am, both pro uh, pro am unlimited and pro am production, and then 2013 I went pro, and yeah, so I two thousand, so I guess it would say two, so it'd be three seasons okay. technically yep. with Root 
Reefer. Um, and that was my first, my rookie year was with Root River. And then the, the, my last year, or not my, my last, I did two years on pro class with, with Root River. And, uh, the first year was just kind of, um, was kind of a weird, weird deal, I would say. And the whole, my whole career was not, not really weird. I mean, those guys did a lot of stuff for me. I'm very, very thankful for, you know, what they did for me. They really, you know, I had a, I had a career with them basically. And, um, but the first few, the first year I would say it was me trying to get comfortable on the bikes. I, um, I had, I was coming off a suspension that I trusted and I had a relationship with a guy who did all my, you know, my, my suspension. And I trusted him and then going to something new, it just, I had a hard time adjusting to that and adjusting to somebody else building my bikes for, for me mm-hmm. and you know, setting them up. And it was, you know, I tried to get feedback and um, not really. I mean, it was just it was just kind of different. I struggled a little bit the first year and it, it just took a little bit for us to kind of uh, kind of agree on things and kind of get on the same page with everything, I guess. But those guys sure. did those guys did a lot of stuff for me. So, I'm you know, I'm very thankful for that. Um, but, yeah, and then the second year, I remember. I remember Rich calling me and saying like, yo, you know, we want, uh, you're going to, you're going to probably apply for your pro license and you're going to go pro in 2013. And I was like, oh my God, like, this is, you know, this is real. I'm going to ride. I got to, you know, I got a deal. I got to deal with a team and, you know, and I'm about to apply for my pro license. So yeah, it was, it was, we came around the bikes. It took me a little while to adjust. And that's what I, I just felt like I was getting, I'd get beat up. The bikes would beat me up, you know, when I was racing and stuff. Sure. But. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I can obviously read between the lines here that you're not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but those initial, um, like suspension, I mean, there's no shame in it. Those Moto Works shocks or Moto Waz shocks at the very beginning were just, they were so far behind because they were like brand new for them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, so yeah, they just, it wasn't a level playing field with, yeah. with some of the other stuff at the time. And you had been on a setup that you had ran for, for years, you know? Yeah. Dealing with, yeah, I was dealing with, you know, like I said, I was dealing with Seth Bleggy at SF Racing and, you know, but I also, and he, you know, he knew his stuff. And then also we were dealing with Wayne Meridian. Exactly. Those, right those, at the source. Yeah. Yeah. And Wayne, you know, I was, Wayne was, there was a time I remember, you know, racing and being on PP and Wayne was coming to the track all the time with Baldwin. And, you know, Wayne would be up at the, at the track with a stopwatch and a clipboard. And I'm just like, and him, you know, working at Upperman at the time. And it's like, gosh, dang, you know, I'd go up and talk to Wayne a little bit. And then it got to the point to where, you know, Wayne, I was talking to Wayne at the track. Wayne was working on my stuff there when he was, when he would be there. So it was, like I said, it was a, you know, I'm a, I'm a head case type of a person. And when something was off in my head, it was just hard for me to, you know, kind of get to clear my mind to kind of get back on track. And that's just where I struggled at. I just didn't feel, I didn't feel comfortable for the longest time on one of those bikes, but the bikes, they were fast. They were super fast and, you know, whatever you needed, whatever you wanted and needed, like they, they were doing it. And, you know, they put a lot of money into that program. So yeah, it was, it was an interesting year, I would say. Yeah. Um, yes. So that was like that 2012, 2013 yeah. kind of, kind of range there. And that was like pretty much the beginning of our like five year stretch of like seeming like battling at every single race. I remember two, 2012, we battled for top three in Pro Am Unlimited until the very last lap of the very last moto. And, yeah, Loretta Lynn. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that was, that's like one of those races that stands out for me. And I don't know, 
I don't even know how to really put it into words, but like, Sean, I wanted to beat you more than anybody else. <laughs> um, I don't know if it was because we were always like around each other, and I'm pretty sure I was like jealous that, like I said, you there was always buzz around your name, and you were like kind of like at least from afar, it was like you were tight with the pros, you were tight with Weenan, and you were tight with Hetrick, and now you got this Root River ride, and I'm like, man, he's got everything that I want, you know, <laughs> and and. Uh, yeah, and then I don't know if, um, you know, because we're from similar areas. You know, you're from Iowa, I'm from yep. Wisconsin. And um, like yep. you had mentioned Bubba Hicks, and, you know, we had that mutual friend, and Bubba and I were close back then, real close. And I always heard about Sean Taylor, and, you know, he's so fast on his four-wheeler, and he's good on a pit bike. It was like all the things that I liked, you know, it's like me against Sean, you know, like even before I even, you know, knew you. So, yep. Um, yep. so yeah, so that was like 2012, and um, then you moved up. Up, and I was going to ask you that you moved up and for 13 and that was when they 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 took both of the pro-ams away because they were trying to kind of prompt more riders in the pro class and um, so we were on a, a year hiatus there because I stayed back and I raced an a class a year in a class because I didn't feel like I was ready for pro yet and right. then uh, so then that was 13 and I moved up at the end of the year and then yeah 14 we picked right back up you know we picked up right where we left off uh you know battling it out constantly still a pro-am there was still a pro i think i still raced pro-am in 13 you did okay yeah you did you did um i was just you know i was kind of getting into that rule change where um they thought yeah right they thought uh like there was pro-am was too glorified right like it was a mini pro class so they tried to kind of take some of those privileges away and um so it kind of forced a bunch of us to go pro, yep, but uh, yeah, and I, and I don't want to go by it without mentioning it that that first year in um, that would have been twelve, you won Bud's Creek, you won Bud's Creek on on the Root River bike, right? Yeah, I did. I uh, I was just I was just thinking about that. Um, actually, I have that plaque hanging up here in my house um, with a couple other smaller trophies. I don't have like that much stuff hanging up. I have a little bit, but that's the one. I have that one because that that wasn't even that memorable for me. Um, but you know, it was my first. It was my first overall in the pro am, and you know, Cody Gibson was in that class, and you know, Cody Gibson. I think DNF'd in one of his motos. I think there was two. Yeah, was he two did. Because I, I was, I was in the LCQ with him because I DNF'd in mine, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, man, I'll, like it'd be cool to like win an LCQ. Yeah, Cody Gibson's yeah. in it. So yeah, he did it. And he was on that hybrid, and he was super fast on it, and yeah, it was just not even fair, really, but. Uh, yeah, I did. I think I was on the box with, I think Nick, well, Cody got on the box and then so did, uh, I think Nick Moser, but yeah, okay. I remember I did, that was, I did take a, I won an overall there and, um, I think I got a third overall with those two, Cody Gibson and Nick Moser at that, that Ohio track. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. Sunday Creek. Yeah, Sunday Creek there. Yeah, you well, um, you had you had a number of podiums um, because you and I were on the podium together a few times too. I just yep. wanted I know Walnut was one of them. Well, we were for yep. sure, but uh, yep. I, I just wanted to make sure that uh, it wasn't like that first year or any of the years of the River were uh, like like a scrap or anything no. because yeah, right. you yeah. you you won that race. You ended up fourth in points in one class and fifth in the other. And yep. like I said, we battled till the last moto. So you were you were uh, only a few points points out of third overall um yeah. so I, I said that that I, I didn't feel you know like 
Yeah, that was like a, that was weird. That was like kind of like a blur. It doesn't really seem like I had that many podiums that year. And you know, like I said, I didn't feel comfortable on the machine at all. But you know, here I did. I guess I, you know, I did get some podiums out of the deal. So I mean, I must have been doing something okay. But like I said, that's what I that's what I remember about that year was you know just trying to adjust to something new. You know? Well, and I and I had mentioned how stacked the or we both had mentioned how stacked the classes were before that. But I mean, you were that year. You know, you were fourth and fifth in points, so you're obviously super consistent. And and you got to remember, like Gibson's in there, Casey Martin's in there, Hamrick, Moser, Fix, Duck, uh, Sellers, the the Henrys, Ronnie, yeah. um, Music moved Music moved up at the end of the year. And you know, you and I, like that, those classes were as stacked as could be. So it was, it was fast, yeah. So then you moved up in 13 like you said um and then you had like a you had a five-year pro career um very similar to mine we were just one year off you started one year earlier and i went one year later than you i think no 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 no. we retired at the same time we retired at the same time from the from the pro class you did next year you went to that the 25 plus yeah so so your pro career was it tougher? Was the pro class tougher than you thought it would be? Yeah. Um, in a way, I felt like the the stress was a little bit more, um, you know, running those longer motos. And I always felt that, like, you know, you had, like, a few guys that had a pace that nobody else could match. And you had, then you had like another half. And so it was like, there was like three separate people racing out there given, you know, at a, at a time. That's the way I kind of felt like it was, um, felt there like was, it was, there was different groups. Yeah. yeah. There was different groups yeah. for sure. Yeah. Cause that's why I think I feel the way, you know, that way about you, like we were always racing together cause we were part of that same group. Every right. weekend we found ourselves in the same spot on the racetrack. Yep. Yep. And Man, it, it would have been cool to have, you know, those guys that we battled with, you know, some, most of them, not all, most of them, but, you know, there was several of them that did go up that we, you know, we continued to race with. But if it would have been all those guys that we were, that were out on the track that did go pro, it would have been, you know, I think that the racing, it would have been even better racing. But, you know, it was just kind of people kind of fell off and, you know, newer people kind of came in. Yep. Um, but yeah, it was, it was tough. I, I was just thinking, did you go pro? Did you go pro at the end of a year and then start a year? Fresh? I did. Yep, I did. I went pro at the end of thirteen at Redbud and raced the last two races, and then yeah. yeah. The I think you and Ch- were you. I think you and Chad might have touched base on that. And, I did. In the yep. first, I I kind of wish that maybe I would have done something like that to you know maybe the last two races jump up and just to get my feet wet and you know that way going into the winter I had something to you know to work on you know the, my pace and all that stuff rather than just like kind of getting that call out of the blue like hey you need to get you're gonna apply for your pro license <laughs> and, you know I mean, that's the way it worked out whatever but um but yeah when you guys when you guys brought that up because i remember i remember racing amateurs and stuff that it was that people were you know you had guys that did that the last couple races i remember cody gibson went pro yep. at red Bud and or loretta's or red i think it might have been loretta's he went pro and you know that was a lot of people used to do that and then as you know the years kind of came on that faded away and you didn't see that that much well that's that's actually what's really cool about this year with doing that pro only event at Ironman because there's a bunch of those program guys that are moving up so oh, um oh, i mean back back then if we would have had that 
we all would have done that. But, you know, and and it's tough. Like, it's easy for us to say that this now, but back then, like, say you're in a title battle, well, you're not going to move up to pro class early and put all that on you. And um, so, yeah, exactly. So what's your, what's your fondest memory as a pro? Because it's not like the, it's not like it was all bad years. I mean, there was, there was good, good years, good rides there. Yeah, I remember, uh, I remember getting, taking a sixth place moto finish at uh, Loretta's. Okay. In, uh, in 14. And, um, I'm trying to, I had, there was a couple, there were several different times. I mean, it was even when I rode for Root River and when I, you know, when I was doing it on my own, you know, with the help of other people, but, um, a privateer, I guess is what you would say. Um, yep. I, uh, I had the numerous, you know, on the Root River bike was especially, I was, I got really good starts on that bike, uh, for some reason. And there were several times where I was up front and, um, you know, there were a couple, I was just looking through pictures the other day. There's a few from like Redbud where I come out and, you know, I'm on, I'm on two wheels and right up in front of me is weaning, you know, second place. And then as it rounds the corner, it's weaning and I are the only ones in the picture, you know, going down, you know, before that you drop down into the bottom of the track or whatever. So, you know, that's the, I never really had any, you know, crazy, crazy finishes. You know, I ran up front here and there, and I'd always just run out of gas and just get worked. You know, from well, you. I remember that. you getting a few hole shots, and but that's what happens when yeah. you try to go that pace, and it's so fast. You just, you know, I kind of asked, um, I kind of asked you know, if it was tougher than you thought, because I just have such a hard time explaining to people what racing the pro class is like. Like, it's not like what people think where you're comparing lap times and you're like, oh, I would finish, you know, X in the, in the pro class. It does just doesn't work that way. It's like being in a pack of bees and everybody's fast and you're like going at an uncomfortable pace and the motos are so long and there's so much stress and it's like, you just, it's, it's unreal. And the track's rough. They don't touch it up or anything. No, exactly. I was, I was always, like I said, you know, kind of that brought back to like the pro am. I always struggled in time qualifying, and I really struggled in the pro class in time qualifying. It just seemed like, you know, I'd go by my mechanic and he'd have a number on the board, and it's like, gosh, man, I felt like I felt like I actually put in a good lap there, and uh, and it wouldn't it wouldn't be a good lap. So you know, going off the track after time qualifying, I'm like, I'm just like scratching my head and. You know, like the, there's nothing wrong with the bike. Um, you know, we make you know we make a few a suspension adjustments, but that wasn't the that wasn't the issue. It's just like where what am I doing? What am I doing wrong to you know where do I need to gain this this time at? And that that's where it was for me. It was like gosh, I was always just like so bummed out after time qualifying. It just it's like gosh, I'm really off the pace for you know to to run up front. And that's like when I get a good start, you know, I'd run. I mean, like I'd run as hard as I could you know, first couple laps and then, you know, I'd start getting tired just because I'm trying to go that pace. And I remember just being a freight train by me. I mean, I try to hang on as, you know, try to finish inside the top 10 and, you know, as much as I could. And I had some, ins- I had some top 10 finishes and we're not, not taken away from anything like that, but yeah, it, it's tough. They, you know, and the big part, like I said, it's mental, you know, it is. It's, yep. you know, you're everybody, if when you're in the pro class, it's not like, you know, like us, we, you know, we deserve to be in the pro class, not taking any, any of that away. It, you know, we deserve to be there. It was, you know, those, it's just a, it's a crazy, crazy level that you jump into and, you know, you just, you got to try to adjust to it. And yeah, it's, it's tough. It's, it's hard to explain. It's really it, is, hard to explain. it is. And it's so tough because there's so many different levels of like support or what 
you know, how long people get to spend doing it. You know what I mean? I don't know how else to explain it. Like you got the first, the top couple guys that do it literally full time all day, every day. And then you got a number of guys that do it pretty much full time that spend the whole year on the road and, you know, do it that way. And, um, over time, and it's so cool to be able to have this conversation with you because over time, even though like maybe we weren't tight, it's not like we were, you know, you know, BSing on the weekends and stuff, but I, um, related to you so much by the end. Cause I felt like you were the, really the only other guy that was doing it the same level. Like you were, we were a tick older than some of those young kids. We, we were working full time. We were spending money. We didn't have to be at the races and yep. we were basically just doing it for the love of the sport. And man, by the end, I respected you more than anybody because I knew what you were going through to be able to be there. And and yeah. like I said, you and I were finishing in uh, almost always in very similar spots. So, I mean, I knew what you felt like you put in a bunch of work. You, you know, felt like you deserved to be up front, but you're also fighting a losing battle because there's guys with much more support that are able to stay on the road and train and whatever. And like you said, there's no worse feeling than coming around and you put in a heater lap and like you feel good and it's like 13 or 14 or something, you know? Two seconds, like, what are you talking about? I need two seconds. Are you even reading the, are you reading this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That kind of comes back, yeah, you know, like, you know, probably like doing it on your own is, that was a thing with me. I hated, I wasn't hard on my, my equipment that much. I didn't tear stuff up, but I also, I hated when I tore stuff up, you know, like, if I, you know, these guys, some of these guys blow an engine, you know, blowing up, you know, don't worry, you know, run the thing off the rev limiter through qualifying, beat the crap out of it. You know, we've got the parts to fix it where, you know, me, um, I was always timid to where if I really needed something to, you know, reach out for people, you know, I had, I had people to track that, you know, always stopping by, Hey, if you need anything, let us know. But I was always like, that's not the type of person that I was. Um, you know, I hated doing stuff like that. I'd, like I said, I just hated tearing my equipment up. So like when I would go out and, you know, qualifying or even in the motos and stuff, I was not. I would not try to be on the rev limiter. I don't know. I had a, just a different riding style uh, um, to where, it, you know, I wasn't on the rev limiter a lot. And, you know, I didn't tear up a lot of stuff, but I hated I hated when I did. And I didn't like to I didn't like to tear up my equipment to try to, you know, try to get that next try to be at that next level. You know, yeah. try to get. I can totally relate because, you know, we're doing all of our own stuff at the time. But um, and maybe that's also a byproduct of coming from the Root River program where, I mean, you even admitted that it was like you had things pretty good. And now yep. you're kind of seeing the realities of doing it, you know, yeah. kind of doing it yourself. But then again, Sean, like, I don't even know that I would change it because like that grind and that stuff, like it's shaped, it shaped us, you know, yeah. Yeah, like when I I was thinking about, you know, like working on my stuff and I never really I worked on it a little bit. And then once I came to Root River, um, I like went up there and I spent time at their shop and how kind of how they wrenched on stuff. And that kind of got me that kind of got me into wrenching and and being a little bit more serious about you know, like being a mechanic to where, you know, by time after. And that's what I'm one of the main things that I'm grateful for us for them is how they how the maintenance on their bikes were. And that like turned me super anal um, into working on my own stuff when I ended up, you know, going on my own to where like, I didn't know how to do anything at, at one point in time to at the end of my career, I was, I had, you know, Johnny Hale was doing my race engines and you know he only did a couple rebuilds for me that my whole last year. 
when I was on his program, but like my practice bike and all that I did, I built my own practice engines. I did all the work on those and, you know, maintained all my bikes and stuff in the week. And yeah, like you said, you know, it was hard. We, we worked when we come home from, you know, from a weekend, we'd had to go home. We couldn't stay out. I had, you know, at the end of my career, I had two kids at that time. So I had to get home to, you know, help take care of them. And, um, you know, had other priorities to do. And yeah, that was, that took away, that took away a lot of it to where it was hard to, it was hard to train. And, and, you know, like now there's hardly any motocross tracks around in the state of Iowa to, uh, to ride at dirt bikes. Yes. But you know, the, the quad, the quad scene in the state of Iowa now, it's just, there's nothing. There's, you got a few kids that still chase the, chase the national series. Um, but as for racing locally, it's like pretty much nothing. That's how it is so. here too. Yeah, like there is no local racing. You know, you might be able to find an outlaw race here or there, but there's none of that. So unless you are going to the nationals, that's yeah. that's the it, kind of the only option. So my last year, year and a half of racing, you know, thankfully there's like a kid that runs that races dirt bikes, and you know he's he's done some pro stuff. He's got his pro license, and you know he had a track at his house and. He got a hold of me and, you know, was like, just let me know when you want to come down and I'll try to have it tilted up a little bit for you or, you know, if it's, you know, watered, if so. And, um, I'd have to drive 45 minutes. I'd go right there and, or the next closest place for me to go ride at was either at Weenan's house or, um, or at Walnut. I mean, then Weenan's house is probably two and a half, three hours from here. And then Walnut's two and a half. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I know that feeling still to this day because people say to me, you know, like I'll be at Walnut practicing and someone's like, oh, how far is it for you? Four four hours. Well, that's like my only good option, (laughs) you know, so – I remember go like we, I, you know, if we were going to go to the nut and ride, I text Weenan like, you're going to be over there. And you know, like, yeah, what time are you going to be there? Oh, probably not till like one. That's how Weenan was because Weenan likes when it gets I know he does. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, what time are you going to go? I'm like, well, I'm just, I just have to leave my house by six thirty, seven o'clock so I can get there when it opens and try to get, you know, three, four, right. You know, three practice, three, four practice sessions in and then get home by six, seven o'clock. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's a, like a 12 to 14 hour deal. Like same, (laughs) same, same thing. If I, I'd have to like leave by, I have to get up at like four 30, leave by shortly after five, get there. So I'm ready to ride right when they open. Like, and everybody's like, it's like one or two o'clock. And I'm like, man, I got to get out of here. I'm going to, it's going to be dark out when I get home, you know? And people are like, yeah, exactly. Every time Chad says to me, you're leaving already. And I'm I'm like thinking to myself, man, I got to go four hours home. Yeah. But exactly. So, uh, so Sean, if you could go back in time, what advice would you give a younger Sean, either um, on your come up or during your pro career? What advice would you give yourself? If I could go back, like right now thinking about it, if I could go back, it'd probably be like the last, the last couple, last couple years of my career was what like kind of took a toll on me in a weird way. Um, it would be that, uh, just the way I think about it now, like there was some stuff that I was dealing with that I should have not, you know, let get let it get to me. Um, I was I was on a I paid you know good money to be on a training program that had me in probably the best shape that I'd ever been in. Um, and uh, the program, you know, the program you're on it, you know yeah. what it's what it's like, you know, you know how 
that put me in a just a, my fitness level was there. Yeah, um, pause, pause for one second. You and I joined at the same time, and I was so pissed because I thought I was going to have an advantage on you, and then you're on it too. And yeah, so pick up with your story. But yeah, I was yeah, pissed. That was that was probably one of the best decisions I'd ever made. I wish I had done that the year before. I keep or, telling you know, people this. I keep telling people the exact same thing. If I could just go back in time and join the program and change my whole career. Yeah, and uh, you know, but then the, you know, as but the, like I said, you know, I'm a head case. So if that, if I could go back and be those last couple years to where um, there was some stuff I was dealing with that I could you know tell myself then like yo, you know, let this go. You know, you're racing a four wheeler. You're chasing a dream of uh, that you've had since you know you were well, you know, 14, 15 years old. But I you know I didn't see myself doing that at that time, but. You know, I'm living it up, traveling like you do not need to be letting this get to you right now. And, uh, you know, that that just took a toll on me. My last my last year of racing was and it was tough on me. I was going to the races and I, my body was in shape. But, you know, I wasn't I wasn't there to I wasn't there to compete. And that's what that's what really bums me out about how how my career kind of ended is how I how I let something get to me. Yeah, I I can relate to a point in that I just wish mid pro career. Yeah. Similar to the, to the end there. I wish I would have told myself, Hey, find a way to enjoy this and have some fun because I was like, I felt like I was going through the motions too. And that's what makes me now. And you probably have the similar feeling, but I just wish I could either go back in time or give myself one more chance. Cause I feel like I, if I went back and just enjoyed myself, I'd be a little bit more successful. And if nothing else, I would have had more fun along the way. So, yeah, definitely. And you know, I had I had a blast. I mean, I had a I was paying one of my friends. He was taking off work, and I was basically paying him out of my pocket his wages that he was making in those two days of missing work. And me and him traveled. You know, my last year we pretty much were in a band the whole you know the whole series. And uh, um. But, I mean, we had the best time. That was like one of the best times in a way for me. But as soon as I'd get to the track and, you know, strap the helmet on, there was still one thing in my mind that would, that was there that I couldn't, I couldn't shake. And it just like, as for, you know, just being mentally focused, you know, like I, if you're not mentally focused, then why even be out on the track? And there, I remember coming off at one time and my, my dad was there because my dad drove the truck for Weenan. I remember. Yeah, I remember that. In motorsports. And uh, so he was at all the races, and, you know, he would be there early, and then we'd show up. And I remember coming off the track one time. It was early in the year, and just, like, you know, like, basically just, like, throwing my – sitting there on the quad and throwing my hands up and just being, like, you know, why why the hell am I even here? You know, there I have no business – I have no business even being out there and being on this quad right now. And it just – that if I could go back, that, that's what it would be. It's just like, yo, man, you need to, you know – you know, need not everything, you know, everything there's things are going to look uh, are going to be brighter. You know, things are going to get better. You know, don't let something like this get to you. And, you know, it's all it's all going to work out. And it has it has worked out. And I just wish that I didn't let something like that uh, get to me and stuff. So I understand. Yeah, you wish uh, you could have kind of enjoyed yourself and in the moment yeah. just been there totally present on your four wheeler. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, like I said, this conversation like this, talking about old times, um, I'll always remember our battles fondly. And, uh, yeah, I think I was, so, I was so mad when you passed me in that last turn at Loretta's. <laughs> I remember, I think I like came in on you. I think I came in on you on the inside that last turn, 
but I thought that you were going to stay. You were on the right side. I was on the left. You know, that's a that that's a left ninety or one eighty. Sorry, one eighty. Yeah. And uh, there was I remember their berm being built up there, and I thought like, okay, he's going to stay high. He's going to stay high. I'm just going to drift in, you know, and kind of slide across and block that outside line. And I remember you. I once I hit that berm. I remember you. You know, you dropped down and pointed out and cut across the inside and passed me back right there. And I was like, oh my god, because that was for that was a podium spot. That was a podium spot, and it was for third for overall point. in the series. Yeah. yeah. So I I was behind you the whole moto, and I remember, yep. like, we were going the exact same pace. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, he got me. Like, I, I can't do anything about it. And, uh, yeah, the last lap, I just remember, all I remember is the very last corner, and I remember, like, bonsaiing the outside because that's the only thing I could do because you were covering the inside like real tight like you weren't letting anybody up the inside and I remember hitting the outside so hard that I like got stuck like I almost got stuck in a like a soft spot for a second and I somehow came out ahead of you and again it was it wasn't even anything against you it was just that you rode for Root River and like you had all this it seemed like you had the whole world by the you know by the by your hand and I remember like all I could see when I crossed the finish line and I remember having my hand in the air and I could just see all the Root River people and they weren't <laughs> saying a word and I was that was like my one motivation. So Oh yeah, that was that was great. I remember that. I was just like, God, I was so pissed. And they were I think people were saying like you let Cody Jansen pass you and I was it's like I mean I did what I could. That was a yeah, that was crazy. I was so mad and I didn't even think about it about the points. I forgot about that. I just remember it being for a podium spot. Yeah. And you the podium that year and I was like, God dang it, I just can't believe that yeah, you tracked me down and it came into that last turn. It was it was the same thing our whole career. We were always around each other. Oh, yeah. And yeah. and like I said, it we just had a similar background and it like I said, that's why it's so fun now because um like I said, I always thought of us on a level playing field. Maybe that's why at the beginning I was like, Yeah, screw that guy. And by the end I'm like, you know, it's like me and in my in my head anyway, it's like it's me and Sean. Like it's yeah. we're gonna find each other, we're gonna battle and we're gonna um, be around. Man, I always, it, I always remember I was racing with you and I'd somehow you know there for a while, Casey Martin, like towards the end of his career, Casey and I would battle in the pro class and go back and forth and then for a while it was Nick Moser was you know, Nick and I would always find each other on the track and you know, race with each other and yeah, it's just there's so many memories, man. I could sit and talk for hours of racing memories of with you know, with old friends. It's crazy. Yeah, it's uh it's unreal. So, um, like I said, I, I, I enjoyed competing with you like more than anybody else that I ever competed with. And, uh, you're, uh, you're, you're a hell of a rider and even, even better dude. And, um, you were so good for the sport. You showed your personality and, and I loved that. So, um, so yeah, it was fun listening to, to your story. And, uh, why don't we transition into talking about some current stuff? Sounds so, good. So, so Redbud um, ended up being the craziest weekend of the year, and uh, but before any of the racing, even we had the live show, like we were talking about a little bit earlier, and that was a it made for an epic Friday night. Um, did you end up getting to listen to some of that? I, yeah, I listened to the whole thing. I tried to I tried to tune into it when it was live, and for some reason, I mean, I was coming home from work and for some reason it kind of, it was freezing. So I just waited. I was like, okay, I'll wait. Cause I knew you were going to post it anyway. So yeah. I listened after I listened to it after you posted it and yeah, I, I thought it was great. It was good hearing from all those guys and you know, their story on what they, you know, 
I heard a little bit more in depth. I'd heard some of, you know, like when Joel went, I, you know, of course, uh, Joel got married that year that they went. So when, you know, when they got back, when they got back, you know, I met up with Joel for his wedding and stuff and heard, you know, how it all was and all that. But then there was a, you know, there was always, there was a few things in there that kind of caught my attention that I didn't really know about. And, uh, um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed the live show. I thought it was good. The, you know, sound quality it turned out great. And yeah, so that's what I thought. Oh, I appreciate good. that. Yeah, we, we worked our asses off to pull it together and, uh, my brother, he worked his tail off. You could tell like the, you know, he was having to work everybody's, you know, audio and having to turn people up and turn people down. And, uh, but yeah, that, the, the podcast that we dropped ended up being a little bit better. The sound quality ended up being a little bit better and stuff. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a really cool deal. It was cool to just have all those guys in one spot and, um, hear about their, you know, experiences, the strategy, the, the camaraderie between them. And like you could literally see it, like the connection that they have um and made throughout those trips like the togetherness um and and you know like it's so unique to have competitors at such a high level be able to put everything aside and work towards a common goal like that like Ch- uh, um, thomas even had mentioned at one point like that togetherness that our atv motocross teams have um may be like what's lacking for the or or i guess to blame um, for the, you know, the MXDN dirt bike guys, you know, you could kind of blame their shortcomings on, they talk about every being, everybody being so separate. One guy's in one trailer, one guy's in another trailer. They're all doing their own gig. Well, listening to those guys, like they clearly, I mean, it's a, it's a team effort for the yeah. team USA ATV team. They, like, you know, I mentioned that, that, you know, all their quads, their parts, everything is toted over in the same container. And like Thomas, like they've mentioned, they, they stay, all stay at the same house together. Um, I'm sure they probably, they probably train just a little bit, you know, stay, stay loose, go on runs and, you know, do a little bit, some, you know, minor stuff. But they do that, they do that together. And, um, you know, like the first year they went and they talk about, they talk about Hetrick. Um, Hetrick on Weenan and try, you know, not necessarily making a pass, but it made it, you know, and on people watching the race made it sound like, like, or made it out to be like Hetrick was very impatient, you know, wanting to get by Chad to take the moto, whereas, you know, it shouldn't, he shouldn't have been following so close, you know, eating, eating roost and stuff. So there was kind of, like you said, you know, there was a little bit of drama there. Um, and then you see that picture of Thomas, Joel, and Chad, all three, you know, I think Joel is sitting on a quad, you know, all three arms, you know, arms around each other, you know, kind of having like a little team, team pep talk and, uh, you know, get the, you know, get those three. Cause what it comes down to, you know, it's, that's those three on the track and racing and they all need to be on the same page. And so that was cool to see that picture surface. And, uh, then you hear, then you hear about what actually, you know, what kind of happened before that. I'm assuming that's it happened before that picture was taken. Exactly. Taken. Yeah, I would I would think so too. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't know anything about that 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 story. And uh, Joel, like he kind of laughed about. It. He's like, "Yeah, if you're gonna go there, yeah, we'll talk about it." So uh, yeah, yeah, it was kind of kind of interesting. I didn't know anything. I thought I was I thought I was uh, just. I did. I didn't know what kind of hole I was going into there, so that was kind of cool to hear about that, kind of hear about the backstory. But then, I mean, they obviously squashed it and they won, and and all was good. And I thought it was cool to hear about um, Thomas's like all the passion that he puts, you know, kind of oh, I... into the Team USA thing, which was never in oh. doubt. But to hear him say like 
how highly you know he holds serving the country and like for him he's like the next best thing you know yes that's and also what i liked about t brown's awesome i'm i'm a big fan of t brown i mean him and i we you know i'm i would consider myself a friend with of t brown and uh i've really got to know him in a way kind of over the last couple years or few years i'd say i really got to know him more at joel and carly's wedding um He's a big fan of uh, of Vegas bombs, so if you're ever out with him, buy him a Vegas bomb. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that's one of my favorites, and, and he, uh, but you know, like he made it out to be, like, you know, he's not. He'll get aggressive. He's getting aggressive with those guys. He wasn't timid, and um, you know, like Jeffrey said when he when they were the second year they went over there, and you know, Jeffrey said he was kind of timid and hanging back. Where and then T Brown, you know, went by him. I I kind of that's the way I I took it was T Brown went by him and was like, you know, pushing people out of the way so he could get going. It's like, yes, I, I love that. I love, uh, I love some aggressive riding. I'm not, I was never really an aggressive rider, uh, to an extent, but I like, you know, T Brown's passion to, uh, and how he, you know, how he presents himself of, you know, serving the country in that, in that way and, uh, going over there and basically, in his mindset, you know, and those guys are too, but you know, the way T Brown, you know, he's going to go over there and he's going to kick their ass and you know, he's not going to take any shit from anybody. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yep. I thought it was just so cool to like get a glimpse inside their racing minds, you know, because, um, so I fell in love with the moto podcast because of hearing other people and, and riders on dirt bikes, but similar talk about right. things or say things that like I would think, you know, so to hear the top ATV riders in the world say things about racing and think about you know, things that are happening on the racetrack or whatever that, like, I can relate to, um, yep. I thought, like, that's what got me into podcasts initially. But then just to hear from them talk about racing like that, I just thought was so cool, you know. Yeah. I agree. That's yeah, it's awesome. And then, yeah, especially everybody's, you know, everybody's perspective. Like you hear, you know, how Chad, you know, Chad's thought process and then, you know, Thomas's and, and then, you know, Joel and Jeffrey, obviously, uh, you know, they're all different, but in this, in the way they're kind of the same, but how, how they, how they make, how they come off by saying it's different. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that was, that was uh really, really cool that, you know, they were all able to join us. Cause I was a little, I was kind of, um, I didn't know if we were going to be able to get all of them. You know, so I was kind of like, oh, we'll try to get all of them. And if, if we get some of them, you know, we, we have who we have. And they all showed up. They were all pumped about it. They were all gracious with their time. It was a, it was an awesome time. So then at the end of the live show, we started to kind of transition to talk about, uh, you know, the current racing stuff. And, um, you know, Joel basically at the end of the live show there, he said like, the championship's basically over. Like it's probably over. I'm just going to enjoy riding my quad and, um, doing my best. And like, then we know what happened on Saturday, you know, Chad winning DNFs moto two. And, uh, I mean, every, everything changes. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't believe that. And, you know, when, you know, backtrack to where Joel this season, Joel had two, two DNFs at, um, Where's it at? Uh, Iron, Iron Man. Man. Yep. He DNF twice, and I, you know, I'm a, I consider Joel and I pretty, pretty close. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm friends with Chad, and I've kind of made it out to both of them to where it's like, hey, you know, I like, I, you guys are both cool in my book. Whatever you guys got going on when it comes to racing, I don't give a shit. 
you guys go out there, kick the shit out of each other on the track, come off. But I want to, I want to hear about it and I want to talk about like what's going on, you know? Yeah, right. And, uh, you know, I, um, I usually will text both of them, um, and, you know, good luck this weekend type of thing. And after the, after the DNF, I, I waited, I think maybe a day or so, or I don't know when I text Joel and, you know, didn't really ask like what happened to the quad, just kind of said, you know, yo, man, keep your head up. Like it's a long season. Um, you know, keep doing your thing, keep riding your quad, whatever. Well, then he start, you know, then he comes in, he keeps, he's winning. You know, the points leads kind of getting smaller. They're going back and forth. Um, and then we get to Walnut and I'm at Walnut and, um, <clears throat> pumped to be there. I was super excited to see everybody and to see everybody ride. And, uh, we get there. The track's prime Saturday morning. You know, it hadn't been raining yet and get up there and I'm like standing right up next to the fence in the first qualifier and watching everybody. And everybody's looking solid. The track looks great. And, you know, of course, then the rain comes. And uh, Joel, it looked like in that first moto, Chad flinched on the gate. Well, then he said that his clutch, you know, then he then he talked and said that his, his clutch got hot. He inched forward. Yep. And so he was buried. And I'm just like, I was standing up in the, in the uh, tower. And I'm like, holy shit, like, it's a mud race. Chad's buried. And here's Joel. Joel's not a good mud rider either. I mean, no. there are numerous times in a mud race. So, you know, when we're racing, you go by Joel Hetrick's either stuck in a mud pile or he's on his head. You know what I mean? Like, right. No, I do. Yeah. Seems like no offense to Joel if he's listening to this, but that's just the way it is with him. And uh, um, so then you, Joel's got a good start. And I'm like, man, Chad, Chad's going to have to work. And after the first lap, Chad's up to like, fifth or sixth by this time and I'm like damn he's you know he's going like he's not you know he's not laying down at all he's not getting stuck behind guys well then Chad or Joel follows Cody Ford for a while Cody Ford the rookie led that moto for quite a while and held them off which is you know great I couldn't believe it um so then Joel takes the moto win and Chad you know, I think Chad got the second obviously yep. um and then the second moto yeah it was Joel that but when that bike stalled down there before the holy pistoli I just was like you know, crushed, crushed for him because, you know, I hate seeing, I don't want to see it like that. I, oh, no, I, you don't want it to be decided by a, by a mechanical. By a mechanical failure. I, you know, I don't, when, you know, just because, you know, he was up, he's at, he's at the low and he's at the high again and now he's back down there and, uh, and then he gets it started and he finishes and, <laughs> and it somehow works out for third podium. overall. Yeah. Somehow it's on the damn podium. You know, I'm like, what in the world is going on? People are mad cussing like this oh i know I, I saw all kinds of facebook posts that they're like how oh. does how does 10 you know one whatever 111 turn into a third yeah. overall or something like that but the you know the way the point was you know when he scored for points it hurt him exactly yep and uh we left our you know we we'd hung around for just a bit let him you know let him get off the podium and stuff and i didn't really get to talk to chad that much that weekend that that's chad's home track man chad Yep. Chad brings a lot of fans from Galena. There was a bunch of people under his tent and, you know, Chad, like, you know, from Chad's interview, Chad's got a tight, tight group of people. So on race day, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to step in there and, you know, really bother that. Whereas I'm more, you know, close with Joel and his family to where, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm a part of that. And, you know, they, they accept me and all that. So, you know, we were hanging out over there and I just, I told him I left, man, you know, you know, if it's over, it's over, but keep your head up, go, you know, go out and, uh, you know, go ride your four wheeler. This is what you, this is what you born to do. This is what you've, all you've ever done. And, you know, just go out and have fun with it. There's Absolutely. nothing to lose now. 
And uh, so, yeah, now we fast forward. Then, you know, he starts winning again and no issues. Um, Almost had that issue at Unadilla, I guess, with the bike. Something went wrong with the bike again right before the finish line. And then, yeah, then we get to we get to Redbud and it's it's flip flop. Uh, I was going I went to Ragbri that weekend and I uh, had the quad radio listening to the first moto and it seemed like Joel was on fire, man. Joel was, you know, ripping and Redbud gets rough um, and he won that first moto. And then, yeah, that second moto, I was listening to it and it said, Weenan, you know, Weenan's having an issue right now. And I just like my hands like went up and I'm like, and my mom was my, I went with my mom and her husband. She's like, what? And I'm like, Weenan is bikes having it. He's having a mechanical failure right now. Like he's off the track and she's even like, she's like, what? Then, you know, friend, like I said, I hate to see that, you know, you don't want to see it decided like that, but now it's back up to one point. Um, but you know, as like I said, bummer for Chad that that happened to him because you know, that streak that he had going was just unbelievable. How consecutive, the consecutive podium finishes he had is just, you know, it's crazy. And um, for it to end like that on something silly. Um, but now, now we've got a points race in the series and hopefully, you know, they're down to four motos. Now let's see no mechanical failures from these guys. Let's see them, you know, you know, Joel's training, you know, Chad's at home training. Let's see these guys. Um, let's see these guys go to work and, you know, put on a show for everybody. What the, you know, this is what the sport needs is, some, you know, you know, a dog fight basically. That's what it's coming down to. Exactly. Yeah, it's gonna be it's going to be a brawl till the very end. And um yeah, I had you mentioned, you know, Chad's streak and I just wanted to highlight that for a second because I you know, I put it on Instagram and uh you know on the show's Instagram and yeah, Chad I mean it's the end of possibly one of the most remarkable streaks the sport's ever seen eight years almost without missing a podium um here i'll read it here 2,898 days, which is seven years, 11 months, and seven days that uh, Chad, that there was an ATV motocross podium without Chad on it. The streak consisted of 78 event weekends, 152 motos, and, um, and yeah, six titles in seven years. So it's like, I mean, you can't even, Sean, you can't even wrap your head around that. You really no, can't. It's unbelievable. It, you, you can't wrap your head around it. Not only did he never have a DNF, but like, he never had an off day, like a bad day or an off day for him was, was third, was third place. You know, like think about that. It's, it's just unreal. It's unreal. So like you said, Joel's one, one performance, um, with, you know, Chad having the mechanical failure. I think it was, I think it was chain related. I don't think I'm breaking any news there. Um, I, I think it was chain related. It, it, it looked like it cause he was, he was riding and got in a rut and, didn't come out of the rut. So, yeah, um, yeah. so yeah, we got four, we got four motos remaining and there's only one point separating the two. They're going to battle it out till the very end. And, uh, so someone was arguing with me that, you know, it's, it's over now because Joel is so good at Loretta's and he's so good at Crawfordsville. But, and, and that might be true if you're looking at the, um, looking at past results or whatever, but not so fast because Iron Man for the finale isn't going to be the same old Ironman. You know, it's on Friday of the Pro Motocross National Bike Race, so there's not going to be hundreds of four-wheelers on the track to make it hard and fast, which is normally a track condition that, you know, suits Joel's style. I mean, it could be a little deeper, could be, you know, softer. There's obviously not going to be as many ATV lines because the pro ATVs are the only ATVs on the track that weekend. So, I mean, in my 
don't the dirt don't the amateur dirt bikes race on Friday? I so I don't know that. I know that you know normally there's you know like a, like a press day deal, and I don't know I don't know all that. But either way, it's maybe going to be comparable to like Daytona in the in the in the way that um, it was very one lined for ATVs because the only ATVs out there are those pros. So my my point being is it's not going to be the same Crawfordsville. Right. It no. maybe maybe it plays into Chad's favor or maybe it just doesn't play into anybody's favor. Either way, with one point between those two coming down the stretch, I mean it's gonna be must see like I'm already excited, you know? Yeah, no, I I am too, and you know, when it like with Weenan's DNF at uh, Redbud I you're not gonna see that again. No. I you know, not from him. I mean he he does all of his own stuff. You know, it's this is something you know, he's, he's, him himself is mentally prepared for what's about to happen. Um, you know, I know Hetrick is too. Um, but yeah, like you said, yeah, Hetrick's great at Loretta's. Hetrick's fast at Ironman. But like you said, the, you're not going to have all those quads on there. It's going to be, it's going to be a little bit different track. Um, you know, Loretta's could be hit and miss. And then what if you throw, then throw mud and rain into it? You know, oh, it, you always, nobody, it always seems that, to rain at those tracks. You're going to have, if it is, if it does rain, you're going to have, you know, hopefully T Brown's up there in the mud. Hopefully T Brown's up there regardless. I agree. You know, he's, had some, he's had some bad luck this year and everybody's had bad luck. It's just been a, it's been a crazy year for, you know, just about everybody. You've got, um, you know, you got rookies that are getting on the podium, um, Restrelli's struggling here and there. Thomas Brown's struggling with, you know, he's had, it looks like he had a couple bike issues and stuff and, but he's still been riding great. He's been, you know, he's been up at the front, you know, you know, he can battle with those two, Chad and Joel, um, without a doubt. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited for these. I wish I could make it to Loretta's. I'm going to try to make it to Ironman. Um, definitely if possible, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see, to see how it all pans out. It's fun to be covering the series the way that, you know, like you are joining me here to talk about it right now because I can't remember a time when it was, when it's been this exciting. You know, ATV Motocross is, is red hot right now. And, you know, while Chad comes into the last four motos with a one point lead over Joel, um, Brandon Hogue comes in with a two point lead over Alan Myers for the battle of rookie of the year. So that's, that battle's just as hot as the battle at the front. And Cody Ford's only 10 points back. So like rookie of the year is up for grabs too. So you kind of got this battle at the front and a very similar battle, you know, with that top, top rookie class. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I've been, I've been trying to keep an eye on the rookies. You know, I don't, I know Brandon Hogue. I rode with him for a little while down in Texas at the, at the parish house. And so I've been around Brandon Hogue probably more, more than any of the any of the rookies, and uh, he's he's impressed me. He's come he's come a long ways, and you know that kid comes from not a lot, and he's worked his butt off to get to uh, get to where he's at right now. And when he I was so pumped for him when he got that uh, that podium at Unadilla, and especially at Unadilla, man, I I love Unadilla. I loved I loved riding at Unadilla. I hated racing at Unadilla because of the high, how fast the track actually was. You know, the jumps, all that stuff was fun, but the speed that you're racing at and like that, that you know, like I said, that higher speed that you're at is just like there's little room for error racing there. And for mm-hmm. him to you know battle up front with those guys is 
is just unreal. And, uh, you know, Alan Myers, I don't know Alan Myers that well. I kind of, you know, when I was racing, he was kind of in the amateurs coming up and stuff, but I do know, you know, the team nine, six, nine, you know, run by Travis Moore. I race with you race with Travis Moore. I race with Travis Moore, yep. Travis Moore's been, and, you know, been in, he went and raced up to that North series there after, after the ATV stuff. And he's, I think he might have won a championship up there, maybe. Yeah, the uh, ATV. I think he did. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And, you know, I, I like Travis Moore's program that he has for those kids. And, um, I, I have huge respect for Travis Moore. I like the guy a lot. And I know he's, you know, he's going to, when it comes down to it, you know, mentally, I think he'll have, he'll have Al Myers mentally prepared for, you know, this, the last couple rounds going into the race. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's fun to watch to see the, the level that that rookie class is at so high, so early in their careers. Um, like the two rookies getting podiums already. I mean, I can't imagine getting a podium ever, let alone getting it as a rookie. Can you imagine if we would have got oh, one? You know what I mean? Yeah, out of free, I don't. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know exactly. I'm, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. Even that, to finish, you know, a podium. Even to finish, you know, for me to for me to finish a top five in just a moto. I don't. I mean, I think I would have celebrated for like the next between the like, you know, the next two weeks of without racing. I've been celebrating the whole exactly. thing. Exactly. Top five in a moto. Exactly. That was like all I ever wanted. I was like, that was like my, that was like my, you know, I don't know, my, my big possible goal, you know, was <laughs> something like that. So, um, so yeah, crazy. It, it'd be a lot of fun to watch. We got battles going on all over the place. Um, so I have a question for you. Um, who, who knows how many years into the future we're talking here, but who do you think will be the next pro champion other than Chad Weenan or Joel Hedrick? Oh, that's a tough question. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, oh, so, so I think I, think, I, I was just going to say, if you need a second to think, I think the first person that comes to mind, and maybe it's just recency biased, is because I don't know, you know, I don't know how to factor in the guys that are in there right now that maybe get over the hump or. I mean, a guy like Bryce Ford, who just wrapped up the Pro-Am and the Open Pro Sport Championships at Redbud, and you know, he's had such a dominant season on a first year on a 450. Like, he looks like some of those legends that, you know, that we're, we're talking about here with you know, Gibson and, and Hetrick and some of those top yeah, Pro-Am yeah. riders. Maybe he's kind of the next guy in line. So um, it's hard to say. I just wanted to pop that question on you to see if, uh, see if you had any, any, any ideas there. That would be because you also don't I mean, know how long Hetrick and Weenan are going to race for. Right, right, right. Um, and on same thing with T Brown. I mean, I T Brown or Restrelli, those guys. You know, I've been at this. You know, those guys. If anybody else deserves it, it's one of those two for sure. Because or not, you know, not saying in the future's come, but I mean, I'll get to that question. But counting those, those guys have put in as much work as anybody else as Chad and Joel and you know they're always right there they can win motos they just never seem to put it together to take the overall I guess uh or you know take a championship or be in that that championship you know contention it seems like they started out this year was kind of like tight there for a little while and then it seems to, to stretch out I'd love to see you know one of those guys put it together one year um but yeah, yeah like you too. said I've I've been watching 
a little bit, um, and I've seen Bryce Ford ride. Um, I, it's hard to tell. I, I'm not. I'm a big fan of style. I like seeing. You know, I love you know style. Somebody that can throw some style, and you know, no offense to him. I. It's hard for me to see Bryce Ford's speed on you know through camera because I haven't actually really exactly. seen him on 450. Yeah. He ripped on a, you know he ripped on a, the mods and all that stuff. Um, and you know, like I said, the walnut race that I was at was a mud race. So I went the, when in, the pros weren't riding. Yeah. I mean, that's a possibility. I've heard that he's got some serious, serious speed. You know, he, he trains with Thomas Brown, I think down in Texas and, uh, he runs with Thomas Brown from what I've heard. Um, and so that's a possibility. You may see, you may see somebody else up in there next year. So I, I'd, I'd probably have to agree with you if, you know, into the future, I think that'd be a possibility. And not yeah. taken away from anyone else. I hate I hate saying that because I don't want to come off like a dick. Exactly. Guy. No, 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 no. Me too. I mean, you don't want to slight anybody that's in there and in contention and doing, you know, moving up through the ranks and whatever. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's hard. To our own opinion. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. So I have another question for you, um, one of a similar nature. So who's the fastest or best rider, in your opinion, who, quote, unquote, never made it? I got a couple, so so Cody Gibson is the first one that comes to mind. Just because I don't think he ever, whether he didn't give himself a shot or you know whatever the backstory is there, but it was like he never got a good chance in the pro class to yeah, kind of yeah. do his thing because you, know, you watched him in pro am and it was like man he's going faster than the pros, <laughs> you know, and oh. then and then um, and so I really would have liked to see him at his peak doing the pro class thing. So um, I don't want to make it sound like he never, never made it because he's super successful. And we talk about it him like he's it a didn't legend. Like, but. It, didn't, it didn't seem like he had a ch- He never really had it. It was given an opportunity or let himself have an opportunity to, you know, pursue racing. You know, they he did that one year when he rode that, that mushing team they had. And yep. I remember he broke his collarbone training and that kind of, and then he was working and, and, you know, he wasn't really training like he, um, like he was. So that was the year that came to mind for me is if he would have stayed healthy and all the things would have fell into place, who knows what could have happened because, uh, he was a monster. Oh my God. He was a freak. Uh, it was just like, like, I remember seeing him, I remember seeing him in the A class and how tiny he was. And then when he rode, then he gets on a Walsh Kawasaki. And I don't know if you were there or not, but I remember uh, Hell City, Alabama, and Pro Am. They Walsh. It was a cow. It was a Monster Energy Kawasaki. Walsh Kawasaki. Um, you know, Walsh had it all tricked out. You know how Walsh does it. Those guys are. Oh, yeah. They when they put it when they put their time into something like a program like that. It was the you know it was the best of the best. Um, and when they rolled that Kawasaki out and he was rolling up to the line. It had like a candy apple, orange Walsh a arms on it. Uh, it was all lowered custody. I don't know. It was, it was a trick. And I remember the sound of that Kawasaki of him going around the track. And uh-huh. there was a long sweeping turn that was just whooped out, you know, crazy. And I was standing there and he come around. I don't know how big of a lead he had on everybody else. And I remember he came around there wide open and the bike started dancing around, and at one point he was headed right for me, and the bike was turned right for me, and then he got it corrected. But that whole that whole scenario that it went through, he never lifted off the throttle that whole time. And I mean, I would say, yeah, Kim. Who else? Who else did you have? So the one other guy that I had uh, on my list was um, Chase Snap, 
because Ooh, he yeah. only yeah, yeah he only he only got beat by Joel um, by four points for rookie of the year that first year he had multiple podiums in his rookie year there the same year as Joel in 2011 and then that was it there was no sophomore season for him he was mixing it up with the top guys and I remember yeah. seeing on like some of those ATB 24/7 videos and they were like covering him like he's at the front of the pack and stuff and uh, that was it he was there was yeah. no sophomore season he was done. Beat, he beat Joel, him and Joel um, exchange, like he took a Pro-Am championship that one year and then Joel yep. took a Pro-Am championship. I think Joel took Pro-Am Unlimited and Chase took Pro-Am Production because yep. Joel, Joel blew a motor at one. And I remember his dad telling me, I remember Rich telling me that Joel came in and they had, uh, they had a mechanic at the time. Uh, they were paying like a factory Kawasaki mechanic okay. and Joel coming on the track and saying there was something, something didn't sound right in the motor. And uh, their mechanic worked on it, rode it around, said, no, it, it's fine. Everything sounds fine. You know, just, you know, trust me on this. And then Joel went out the next moto and DNF, the motor blew up. And uh, I think that was, and somebody can quote me if I'm wrong, if I'm saying, but I'm pretty sure that's one of, that's what cost him that, that Pro-Am production championship. But yes, I forgot about Chase Snap, dude. He ripped and he had Darren, uh, what was that mechanic's name? Um, Darren Thomas was yeah. the mechanic yep. for Stan Corey. And uh, yeah, man, I remember Chase was on a Can-Am and he podium, didn't he podium? No, he didn't because I think he threw a chain or something at Loretta's when he was running, when he was leading. I think he was leading. Yeah, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. And that might have, that obviously impacted that rookie of the year race. Cause I, in my mind, I thought, man, I'm pretty sure that he beat Joel up for rookie of the year. And that wasn't the case. Joel got it. But, uh, but yeah, he was, I just remember him being like a monster and being so much stronger in that rookie season than I expected him to be. So, um, so yeah, so that would have been 2011, right? Yeah. 2011 was their rookie years. And, uh, and then two- 2010 is when they them two went back and forth. Exactly. Yep, you're exactly right. So I would have liked to have seen kind of what happened after that, if he would have stuck with it. I don't even know what happened. I don't know what happened to him and why he wasn't in it anymore. But, he, I mean, you got to believe. I mean, you look at the guys he was competing with then and then where they are now, if he would have still been in it, he would have been right at that front pack, obviously. I think it came down, you know, who knows, I I could be wrong, but I would just say I think it came down to not necessarily a money issue, but just like, you know, people there's I remember back then, like people just kind of stepping away because they were just like, you know, we don't nothing. We don't see anything going with the sport. You know, we're spending all this money. Did they have the money to do it? I'm sure they did. Yeah, they could probably put as you know, have to run a full program, but. They didn't. I bet they just didn't. They didn't feel like they were getting anything out of it in return. You know, there was no no factory support at the time, and still not any factory support for the most part. So I think I think that's probably why Chase Chase stepped away from it. And yeah, man, I I forgot about. It. I didn't even think about him, dude. He ripped. His brother was fast too, but Chase was. They were on. I remember they were on Suzuki's and Pro Am, or yeah, when he ran Pro Am, yep. and then he went to Can Am because I think he was getting a little bit of support from. From Can-Am, dude. Yeah, Chase Snap rolled out, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. Those were good ones. I, yeah, those are those are tough ones right there. Just because they both they both showed speed to where they could run, you know, they could run up front. That's my point. Is I just uh, I think it would have been fun to see where they could take it, you know. Yeah. Um, so they obviously had, you know, they obviously had accolades. They got things that they accomplished, but uh, would like to see. 
where it could have taken them. So those are my questions. I have a few. Um, I I have a few from some uh, some fans here. I got a bunch of them this week. Oops. So. Uh, so we'll give nice. you a few here. So um, your buddy Tyler Davis, oh, he, he asks, right. what's your favorite bike that you ever rode, um, Root River, your own builds, or something else? Um, I liked – I'll kind of say which one I like. I liked what I, I liked my 2014 Root River. When I rode for Root River in 2014, the Pro, I liked that bike. Um. I loved my best build bike that I loved was the last year I raced was the, um, was the Honda TRX that I had of the black one. Um, it had the wall. So sick. I love that bike. And I remember I, when I, I built it out of my trailer down at Greg Pafford's house. And, uh, that's what I did. I mean, I was the only one staying down at Pafford's that, that year and I was by myself. And, uh, I remember just every night I just, you know, assemble it, work on it a little bit each night. And I got it done. And Greg's son, Alex, he used to race. He was like, a, you know, he was into taking, you know, photography and stuff. And he's like, bring that thing up. You know, we took it up to the house. We took pictures and stuff of it. And, uh, that was probably my favorite build. It had the Walsh lowering kit and stuff on it, which I wish I wouldn't have had on there. It's great for people that are smaller, but I'm six one and it handled awesome, but it was just, it was small for me. I just felt like yep. I'd had to crouch for a lot more. So I yeah, I agree. You're you're a little taller than me, but yeah, same thing. I I can't do the lowering kit thing because uh, it just doesn't fit me though. Yeah, it turned. Um, I did get the opportunity. I did ride on a Weenan's quads when I used to go up and went to ride with him. And I've rode Hetrix practice bikes, but. Hetrix rough on his on his practice <laughs> at least the one at least the one that I rode on it was pretty it it turned but like Hetrix a small kid you know small dude and so his bars are small he, he's got the lowering kit so that I felt like I was on a TRX 90 riding that but it was fast but I did I got to ride one of Weenan's Yamaha's at his house and dude that thing was it was wicked how it just like how it planted to the ground the power the torque and Everything was smooth on it, and um, it turned. It was crazy. I mean, I didn't get too wild on hitting jumps and stuff just because Weenan runs his bars a little bit different than I do. I don't know. It was, it was weird riding it, but um, I would say my favorite my favorite bike was probably that uh, that one I raced in uh, in 2017. Probably. I thought um, that I thought that might be the one you picked just because even from yeah. from the outside that thing looks so cool. Yeah, I like I liked it. And I'm sure, like I said, the lowering kit didn't really fit me that well. I wish I would have went away from it. Um, but uh, but yeah, that was that was definitely a cool bike. So now I'm, I'm I've always loved the, when I started building my own stuff. And uh, I mean, I kind of fell in love with all of them that were always you know just because that was when I bought a Rich Richmeyer quad and that's what a Rich 17 quad. You know, that's what he did. He built them and you know assembled them and stuff. So for me to you know. You know, see him doing that, and like we, he'd take tear my stuff down every year and rebuild it for me, and do all that. And, you know, we change the colors and everything up on it. So then once I, once I started doing that myself and in my own garage, you know, of course I had a little man cave stuff set up here at the house, and uh, that's what I went out and did at night when we get the kids to bed and um, go out and work on the quads. And um, yeah, we, I don't know, it was just it was it was awesome to be able to know that that's I, you know, I put my time into it. This is how I how I wanted it, and. 
yeah, so that was probably one of my favorite ones. Isn't that funny how that changes over time when you go from not wrenching on anything, not wanting anything to do with it, you just want to ride it, and then by the end you um, take pride in you working on your own stuff, building your own stuff, keeping your own stuff running. Yeah, that's that's like the that's the crazy thing is how my my like I said my mechanic skills have come so far to where like and that's like my I have so much passion still for like the sport to where like that I would love to you know if I would if it was if I was able to make it work I'd love to you know be a mechanic for for somebody or you know do it that way I just have I that's why I just love it I love being out in the garage and wrenching them and I don't even have any quads anymore I ended up selling one. Um, selling my last one, I wish I wouldn't have because I had intentions of building one, and of course now I haven't gotten around to, to yeah. building one. I have the I have the ninety that the kids and I rip around out here, and um, uh, but yeah, it's I just, I love wrenching on you know being able to be out in the garage and you know turn some wrenches and have one sitting there and everything. It's awesome. I miss it. Yeah, I could tell the exact same story and um, same thing. I didn't used to like it at all. Wanted nothing to do with the wrenching, and now like that's just part of it for me and I totally enjoy yeah. it. So, um, so yeah, that was, that was one question. I got one more, um, from, yeah. from Blaine in Indiana and he wants to know when you're bringing Donnie back because everybody's oh. missing him. <laughs> oh, dude, I've been getting like a lot of questions about that, about the whole Donnie thing. And, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know when Donnie will be back. We haven't, uh, it's been a while since Donnie's been around. That was, that, that that actually started when I was when I broke my collarbone. That's how that how the whole Donnie thing kind of went, and then all of a sudden it took off to where it was you know ripping up films was coming over to the trailer like, hey man, you want you want to get Donnie out? And like, <laughs> I guess, guess we'll bring him out. So I don't I don't know. Maybe you'll see. Maybe Donnie will come out sometime here. We'll we'll see. Okay. Well, you got people asking. So uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Before before I let you go. Um, you got any bold predictions or hot takes heading into Loretta's here? Oh, and it doesn't even have to be. It doesn't even have to be oh, with like, the with the front with the front crew. It can be anything like, you oh, know, like any anything. You got any any bold predictions? You know, we got Janusa coming up next on the show, and um, you know when Janusa. we were when we were prepping for you and I when we were prepping for this segment when we were talking about it. You know, even before Redbud, um, you know, you said that you were kind of pulling for him and you know, now he got, he got his first podium and uh, I mean, maybe he could do it again. Yeah. I, I was pulling for Janusa because, you know, Janusa works his butt off and Janusa is a, a straight up athlete, man. He trains hard. He works hard and you know, he's coming from like at this time, you know, this point in time, he's doing what you're doing, man. You're, you know, he's doing it out of his own pocket and you know, doing his own thing, has his own program going and, you know, he deserves it. And I was pumped for him to get on the box at Redbud. So yeah, I, I would go with, uh, I'd go with Janusa um, to be up there. I also, I'd like to see, you know, let Chad and Joel, you know, do, yep. do their thing or whatever, but I'd like to see, uh, I'd like to see um, Rastrelli, you know, maybe rebound from a couple of bad races that he's had. I'm sure he's, you know, he's mentally exhausted with what's going on right now with him. Um, so it'd be nice to see him, you know, maybe come out swinging with something and, you know, you know, leave Loretta's, you know, granted it's not the last race, but like, you know, leave Loretta's with, uh, you know, by t- taking a breath and saying like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, it's, we're better, you know, it's, you know, we're going through something. I'd like to see him do that, but yeah, I'd, it'd be nice to see Janusa back up there too. Cause you know, he deserves it. Kid yeah. works hard. 
know, I like I like Janusa a lot, and um, so yeah, I, I thought I thought he rode awesome, very very consistent at a you know Red Bud's tough man, you know how it is, it's rough and it's hot, and uh, that's you know like I said, he, uh, Janusa's fit, Janusa can run in that heat, and you know that's what it's going to come down to at Loretta's if it doesn't rain, man, it's going to be hot and humid. I've been watching the dirt bikes. All, all week long at work, I just got it up, pulled up on my computer and, you know, watch it when I can. And, yeah. you know, they're talking, it's been nineties with high humidity there. So that's typical, um, you know, it's going to be that way. Yeah, oh yeah, it is. So all your racers start hydrating because it's going to be a hell of a show. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, Janusa. Who do you, who do you think? Oh my gosh. I don't know. I, I can't, <laughs> I can't pick the front two cause it's so close to call, you know, but just like you, you know, I was really happy to see Janusa get up there because he's been so close so many times. I was happy to see him get over the hump. And, um, you know, I I really want to, like you said, I'm kind of echoing what you said, but I'd really like to see Jeffrey have some good rides where he doesn't. I mean, because like you said, mentally he's got to be exhausted with what he's dealing with, with his health and these question marks and not really knowing what it is. And um, so... You know, I, I would like him to kind of maybe put that behind him. Maybe he can kind of turn a corner because right now it's probably almost like he's waiting for the season to be over just so he can recoup. So uh, Jeffrey's a guy that I, I really always cheer for and um, like to see Jeffrey maybe get up there. You know, it should be good, but I don't I don't know that I got any crazy bold predictions, but uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch the racing, that's for sure. Yeah, and, you know, like it's going to be – I don't know. Like, I would like to say that maybe some of the rookies could, you know, could kind of get some pull some starts and get up there and, you know, run. But like Loretta's is a weird kind of a weird, weird track, really. I mean, I think it's going to it's going to separate. I think you're going to see, you know, Chad and Joel probably, you know, if they if them two get a start, if Chad and Joel get a start, they're going to pull, you know, they're going to pull away. Um, So maybe see somebody else try to get a start to kind of keep things um you know, keep everybody together and, you know, make everybody work for it. Uh, it'd be great to see Thomas Brown get up there, you know, pull a start and, you know, maybe, you know, take a moto win or, you know, take an overall too. He's I, done I, it. Yeah, I, he's done it there. He's I know. There. I, the front flip. He did a front flip too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was just icing on the cake, making it a little harder on me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it'd be – I, I want to see. I want to see everybody mixing it up, man. That's that's kind of what I, I – that's what I love about the racing. I, you know – Obviously, those guys are on another level, um, Chad and Joel, and uh, it'd be nice to see them, to see some other guys get up in there. Just kind of, you know, mix it up with the points a little bit. Just, you know, no DNFs. Don't see anybody breaking. Let's just see some hard, some hard, you know, fought racing of, you know, dicing it out. Well, crazy things happen at Loretta's, too. So, uh right. So yeah, it should be should be really really exciting to see uh, see what happens. Like I said, I'm already already pumped about it, and uh, yeah, like I said, Sean, I, I you know I really appreciate you coming on. I can't thank you enough for your time, and um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Pleasure, um, you know, like I said, it was awesome to recount you know the battles that we had and talk about racing now um i respect really? yeah i respect the shit out of you and uh like i said you're always you're always welcome back on the show because uh like i said it was a, it was a pleasure heck yeah next time we get to get some more time and talk some i could like i said i could go on for hours talking atv motocross so anytime man i'm always i'm always down to talk atv motocross well that sounds great like i said thanks again for coming on and uh come back soon
what an awesome interview there. Loved racing with that guy. It was great to not only hear Sean's story and his view on things, but also hear about some of the realities and struggles of competing against the world's best. I went through that same grind and um, fantastic insight there. So going from an awesome rider and an overall good dude to all the great people that make this show possible, let's hear a word from our sponsors before we hear from our featured guest. First and foremost, a huge thank you to CST Tires, csttires.com, for coming on as a title sponsor. The Pulse MXR tire, available in soft and standard compounds, offers the highest level of traction, most predictable cornering, and superior wear characteristics. Of the countless riders I've turned on to CST tires, not a single one has been disappointed. Join the takeover and upgrade to CST today. Thank you, SSI Decals, for your support and presenting sponsorship of the live show. An offshoot of their parent company that was established in 1947, SSI first took shape from owner Ian Harris's passion for ATVs. After making number plates and decals for riders like Chad Wienan, the brand quickly took off. Today, you couldn't imagine ATV motocross without SSI decals. The graphics maker now supports all the top teams in ATV motocross, as well as GNCC, Work Series, Pro Motocross and Supercross, Canadian Pro Motocross, Short Course Off-Road Trucks, UTVs, Snowcross, and NHRA six-time world champion Clay Milliken. No project is too big or too small for SSI. Making your identity sick with championship-level graphics. SSI decals. Our featured guest is brought to you by DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 X-Ring Chain. This patented X-Ring Racing Chain boasts a steel alloy construction for reduced weight, increased strength, and a longer overall chain life, setting the standard and making it the optimal ATV racing chain. Pick out the ATV2 chain at your local dealer or wherever DID chains are sold. Wherever you go, go DID. We are also supported by Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant. Our site lap intro segment is brought to you by Evans. The best power sports coolant on the market, Evans Coolant prevents boil over so you never have to pull over or worry about your engine no matter what the condition. Designed for use in ATVs, UTVs, motorcycles, snowmobiles, and more. Use what the pros use. Choose Evans today. The Digging Deep ATV MX podcast is also sponsored by DP Brakes. DP has been dominating the ATV world for a while now by supporting riders like Joel Hattrick, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Nick Janusa, Baldwin Motorsports, JB Racing, Root River, myself, and more in ATV motocross. In GNCC Racing, they have all of the top 15 XC1 pros using DP, including the likes of Walker Fowler, Jared McClure, Chris Borich, Bryson Neal, Cole Richardson, and more, not to mention Hunter Hart and the top four XC2 riders. These riders continue to appreciate the high performance and impressive durability that their DP brakes have to offer, products that ultimately help place them consistently on the top of the podium. Available at dp-brakes.com, purchase at your local dealer, or even message me for their contact info today. What are you waiting for? Join the best ATV riders in the world on DP brakes. Forworks Carbon's innovative lightweight products include top-notch seat covers, carbon fiber and plastic hoods, tank covers, exhaust shields, shock guards, and much more. Whether you have an ATV, UTV, or snowmobile, 4Works has goodies that'll make you salivate. I trust 4Works for increased function and a sexier look. 4Works Carbon, always working hard to bring high-quality, innovative parts to the market. Check them out today. Finally, our fan question segment is brought to you by 100% and their new Armega Goggle out now. Thanks to those guys for the support and supplying us with awesome 100% giveaways. Not to mention the new goggle that is setting the standard in moto. Now back to the show. 
So for those of you who don't know, um, this rider and I were trying really hard to get him on the previous episode, and when we couldn't match schedules, um, I told him we'd have him on after Redbud. So, you know, go out there and get a podium and give us something to talk about. And, uh, man, he, he did just that. Fresh off his first ever pro class podium, our second guest of the night, brought to you by DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 X-Ring Chain. I'd like to welcome Nick Janusa to our podcast. Congrats, buddy. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Cody. I appreciate it. Yeah, we uh, we did talk right before Red Blood, and you know how things go right before a race. It's just kind of one of those things that, um, you know, it, for what we do, sometimes it's hard to keep a consistent schedule, but I got caught up, and uh, I got your message of, hey, you know, get a podium, and we'll see uh, we'll talk after, and I just remember shooting you back a message that, um, like, hey, or what do I? I said something like, "Deal, it sounds good," or "I'll make it happen," or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you said something like, "Like that's motivation right there," or that's, something like that. Yeah, that's motivation right there. And then after that whole day went by, it was later on that night, and then I was scrolling through my Instagram, and then I saw that you did the um podcast at the race and i was like, wait a minute like i just talked to cody about it and i had to text you after like hey like pretty crazy how that worked out yeah but, the, the the timing couldn't have worked out any better uh, i've never been so happy to to not have somebody on to be able to now have you on um you know after your your banner day there at red Bud, uh couldn't have worked out any better you know because i had i had basically the whole you know we were like trying really hard to make it happen. I had already had like the interview all set up. I had all my material, my questions kind of laid out and, uh, you know, you had finished fourth or fifth in every championship since turning pro you had, you know, finished fourth or fifth in every overall this year, but one, and you know, at Redbud that all changed. So kind of had to scrap my whole interview cause that was all based on, you know, kind of what, what it was going to take to get over the hump. And, uh, man, you, that's a good problem to have, to have to scrap that whole interview. Cause it's an honor to have you on after your third overall there at Red Bud. And, uh, yeah, I just want to, I want to hear about your day there. I want to hear about how it all went down. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you would recognize that. And I appreciate it. And thank you for it. Cause right before Red Bud, you put that post out, um, about all the forts and fits. And again, like I, I do appreciate that you recognize it cause it's something that has kind of eaten at me. Um, for a while, you know, it's like you work so hard at something for so many years and then you, you come up short, like so many times. It's like, it's like you're trying to grab onto a basketball hoop for like so many years, like a couple times and you can't get it. And then sometimes you touch it, but your hand slips and it's like so frustrating. And it's, um, you know, like the, the feeling right now is like a big weight off my shoulders. Like as soon as I got back home. Um, it, it kind of just felt like, um, like a, just a big relief, you know, like a big weight off my shoulders. Um, but anyway, through the whole day, um, you know, the, if I've learned anything in the five years of racing pro class, it's pretty much just being, trying to be consistent throughout the day. And I told my dad after the race, like, you know, I've put together, I personally feel like I've put together better race days than, than Red Bud. Granted, you know, I had Chad who, uh, broke that chain, but you know, that's part of racing. That's, I scored enough points in the day. There's been plenty of races where, like, even this year, um, I got third in the first moto at Ironman and the second moto, 
I was in fourth and I threw it away myself. It was a rain race and I came over an inside single and went sideways and popped off my bike. And that was just something like getting back on the bike and starting it in the rain. It was like, man, like this was it. Like I had it in the bag and I am like never one to really make a mistake like that come off my bike. And it's like, like stuff like that happens when you least expect it. But like my point is, it's like when you, like putting a podium together is two motos. It's not one. I've had plenty of great one motos. I've had I've had a couple of thirds in motos. Um, yep. the, the hardest thing in pro class, you know. Like, and and I'm not trying to give myself credit. Like I'm giving everybody else credit for making it this hard on me. Like it, it's these guys are a lot faster than they look. And like you know, even my post I put out a couple like a week or so ago after the podium, like. Everything looks easier from the sidelines. I mean, you know, you race pro class. Yep. You know, for you see like Chad or Joel or any guys back hit a section, you're like, oh, you know, I could do that too. Or, you know, I think I could put down the same lap time. Then you come back in the sheet and it's like, man, like these yeah. guys are fast. Even when you feel like you're like, man, I'm phenomenal right now. I feel like I just qualified top two or three and I come off the track and it's like, hmm, like it's not really what I thought it'd be, but I don't want to go off track. It's just like the big thing, a pro class podium is two consistent motos, and I feel like what really helped me this weekend, something that you know is a big struggle of mine, is hole shots. We changed a lot of things on my bike setup-wise, like a lot of big things that was way out of my comfort zone, okay. which I actually okay. enjoy making big changes because, um, you know, if you're not trying things, you're not um, going to see improvements. So we made big changes, and I nailed a great start the first moto, and that was just made my whole day a lot easier to start out front, man. Well, it really yeah, did. yeah, because <clears throat> you've been um, more, I mean, like ridiculously consistent. Like I said, all those fourths and fifths, you've been, I mean, to be fourth or fifth in every championship, all these races, da-da-da-da-da, like your consistency isn't in question at all, but a lot of times you're doing that not starting in fourth or fifth. You're coming from, no, you know, no. pretty far back. So it's like, man, if you can just get a start – um, so yeah, you can't, uh, anytime you can get a start up there like that, it just makes your job so much easier. And, uh, it was, I was so pumped to see it, you know, turn into a podium. And I was going to ask you what the difference was about that day, you know, relative in comparison to all those other days where you were so close. But, um, like you said, it might be as simple as getting a good start like that and just making your job a little bit easier. Yeah. I mean, man, getting a good start, um, so what you said, like a, a lot of the times I've gotten a fourth or fifth, I sure as heck didn't start there. I started oh, no. the pack and man, I, every track I've had to come through the back of the pack and even on like the hardest tracks to pass, I still found my way up towards the front and I feel like I have the top like three, four guy speed, but I don't have the top three, four guy hole shots. And I know that I'm as fast as those guys, but if, when you're not starting up with those guys, you can't show it. You're, um, you're exactly right. Yeah. My difference on the whole day of two consistent motos, um, my second start wasn't very good. I think I took off in like seventh or eighth. Uh, no, probably like seventh. Um, the biggest thing is I didn't run into any problems. And even though previous races I get a fourth or fifth, there's still problems that people don't see. And it's where I got hung up behind this guy for two, three laps or um, I started back more positions. And when I say problems, it's like, I didn't get I didn't get stuck. I didn't go off the track. And there's a lot of problems that people don't see. I ran into one in the second moto, which really almost ruined my day. And it was right before Oraco's leap. 
and Parker Worker was in front of me. Nothing wrong he did, but his bike blew up in the rut. And if you you rode Red Bud, you oh, know the yeah, yeah, those we're ruts on, were so deep there was no getting out of them. We were on the inside rut before Larocco's leap, and they had walls on both sides of us. And I was right on him, and his bike died, and I'm like, I have nowhere to go. And I somehow, don't even ask me how, got out of it, the rut, barely. And, well, I was, like, stopped with it. And I up past my mind. Um, he was rolling really good. And then I caught up to Rastrelli. Um, I was all over my – I just couldn't even get around him that second moto. I knew I didn't need to, but I really wanted that third. Um, it, you know, part of racing is it's really important to know – where the other guys finished the first moto. I was ahead of Jeffrey the first moto by one or two positions, and then he had blown up or something. In the second moto, I caught up to him from a couple positions back, and I just – I really wanted to pass him. I just – tell you what, I could not get around him, and he rode smart. He wasn't letting me have it. Uh, the roost was really bad, but I just – one of those things, like a part of uh, Nick Janusa was consistency, and it's like, you know what, man? I have this – podium like as much as i want to get a four three because i know i can get third and get around him i'm not telling you that i didn't try i was absolutely trying to get around him but like that extra little five percent like because consistency goes a long way just like take it take the fourth you know you have it and accept this and move on and get this out of the way it's kind of what yeah and maybe kind of having that race kind of going on maybe kept you in the race mindset instead of thinking about that podium, right? Like it wasn't just weighing on you. It was, you're kind of racing like normal and, you know, hopefully it turns into a podium. I could go back to two races. It's awesome that you say that because I know one last year was like first moto last year at Loretta's. I, I last year at Loretta's, I tied Joel for points on the day because he had a problem and we tied him points for the podium, but he had the better second moto. And I had Jeffrey Rastrelli ahead of me the first moto, and it's like, ah, like I was in fifth, and I was right behind him in fourth, and I didn't get him. Like, oh, I'll be fine. But that's the difference is you can't wait. If you think you've got to make the pass, because pro class is points per moto, you got to make the pass. Like, it's it's one of those things that – and it, it crossed my mind a lot in that race at Red Bud, the second moto. It's like I'm 99% sure I have a podium. But I've seen some wild stuff happen yeah. in this class. Yep. Like even Cole at Illinois, a first and a tenth, and he winded up as a second overall. Like I've seen some wild results. And to me, it's like, don't worry about it. Go for as many positions as you can. And that's what I was going for. But um, I, I couldn't see how he was going to beat me with the DNF the first moto, and I was one position behind him. But yeah, anyway. you know, I can't, you know, you've been so close so many times. I have to believe that that made the accomplishment when you did get up on the box. Like that like, much sweeter. It, it was just like, man, I don't know how to explain it. It, it. For someone like me that I feel like I'm I'm definitely a great rider, it just the, the come up short for that many years. And then people after the, the race and the past week, like, you, they look at me and call me and message me, you never got a podium before? Like this is your first one? And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's uh, I, I've been close because they, they always see my name up there, but they didn't put two and two together that I've not, like, I've been up there, but not overall moto or overall up there. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it, it, it's been eating at me alive. And I don't know, some people might see it, but it's been a very frustrating last two years for me, um, just off the track. And it was just, when I was standing up there, it's like, man, like, 
I can go to sleep tonight knowing that like this big thing that I've wanted for so long, like I've done it. And it, it, I wondered what it was going to be like after, like, is it going to be, am I going to give up or am I not give up, but am I going to like try, like not work as hard or I'm going to work harder. And it's like, I came back home and it's like, man, like I'm even hungrier now. It's crazy. Cause like, I want to show people I can do it again, but you know, a lot of stuff's got to happen. Oh, now, now you tasted it. Yeah. Now you tasted it and it's like, you want to get back, I'm sure. So, um, so yeah, I, you know, and speaking of being close, like there was that race at Loretta's, right? Uh, 17, right? Where you were second moto, you were behind Chad and you were, you led for a little while, you're behind Chad and you made a mistake at the end. And that was another one where you were so close and it just a mistake cost you. Yeah, man, I, I know all these races. It's crazy because I can go back stuff and remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, race-wise, not, not everything. But, right. yeah, I fourth that first moto, two years ago at Reda. Second moto, got the whole shot. Made a small mistake in getting Chad past me. Rode second the whole race. We had about four or five laps left. It was Joel's championship race. He was behind me. Thomas Brown passed him because Joel was riding very conservative. Thomas started to reel me in. Um could I have held them off? I don't know. You know, it's one of those things that were like, I sure know how to stay ahead of people and block. But at the same time, I fell off that day. And I'll be the first one to say it, I had really bad arm pump. And it was just one of those things where it got to me and I couldn't even hold on to my bike. And I came through a corner. And instead of having that 80 to 100% strength during a race, man, I probably had 30. And I came through and hit a square edge. And my hand blew off the handlebar and I went over the bars. It's just like, man, like last race of the year and blew it. It's, it's so much harder than people think it is like to just have two good races in one day. That, well, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. And the pro class in general. I mean, I say on pretty much like every podcast I've done so far, like you can't explain to somebody how hard the pro class is. It's just, yeah. and it's not like you can look at the lap times and say, well, you know, I'm, you know, I'd, I'd finish wherever I'm, you know, this close. It's like, it's just so much different. You know, the class yeah. is so fast. So yeah, you know, like I said, you were so close that day and, um, but right. maybe you can exercise some demons down there and, you know, grab a podium this weekend. Like I said, you got that taste and now it's kind of just like, you know, you want to do whatever you can to get back there. Yeah, I've liked the Loretta's. You know, coming into there, they brought a lot of sand in there. Um, you know, back here in New Jersey, um, I ride a lot of sand. We don't really – we don't have any tracks here. We used to years ago when I started racing. There was four to five public places we could ride, and now it's down to one, like literally one that's legal to ride at, but. I ride at a lot of big sand pit areas. It's just, it's awesome out there. But I, I, I enjoy this, the sand. You know, I like the rough riding. It's what I've came from. It's what I've been riding the past couple of years and what I ride a lot. So coming into Loretta's, I know it's rough. I'm watching the dirt bike stuff this week. That track's whooped out. I mean, it's to my favor. You know, I, I felt like last year I was just outhandled there. Um, you know, Yamaha to Honda is just big, uh, Big difference in handling, and I have a lot more confidence going to these rough tracks on a bike that handles better, in my opinion. So, I mean, I'm I'm loving the switchback. It's just um, I got nothing but positive vibes going forward, especially towards Loretta's. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask you about that. Uh, you know, about the switch from 
you know, from Honda to Yamaha, you had kind of played musical chairs with a bunch of different bikes over the last handful of years. And uh, I thought maybe originally you had made that switch back to Yamaha, maybe because of the stock Premier thing or whatever. But um, what, what was what motivated you to make that switch back to Yamaha? Yeah, I mean, great question. I get asked that a lot. Um, a lot on social media, like, hey, what do you like better, the Honda, the Yamaha? I really can't am for one year. You know, I, I could tell you individually each year of why I went to what, you know, and the, the main thing is the main thing of the brand switching is we're trying. You know, if, if you're sticking to the same thing and it's not working, I'm not saying to go to a different bike, but we're trying. Like, I, I take the risk, I try things, and I try to learn every year and I try different setups. And it does come to a point where you have to stick with something and dial it in. I do understand that. My setup in general has been very similar. Um, the power on the Honda and Yamaha is very different. And I feel like, honestly, I had said something to somebody recently. And I know it's wild to say, but I feel like if I had to, if I had to ride one race Honda, one race Yamaha, one, 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 all year switch bike, I feel like I could still finish how I finish. Like, I'm so comfortable on both bikes that it kind of doesn't matter to me. So to your question, why I switched back to a Yamaha this year, um, as you know, and but some people might not know, they don't make the TRX 450 anymore. The last year they made it was 2014. Um, you know, I had had those bikes for two years. You know, could I have rebuilt them? And got a third gear out of them. Sure, I, I probably could have, but it kind of comes to a point where it's like, I want to get on new equipment. Uh, equipment. I love fuel injection. Um, I miss the handling of the Yamaha. Um, we run different throttle bodies now. When I used to race Yamaha, I ran a stock throttle body, and we're getting more power out of my Yamaha now than I ever had out of my Hondas, which is, you know, whether people believe that or not. I mean, I know for a fact we do. But the power is just different. It hits in different spots, and it, it's hard to get used to. You know, you're changing gearing, you're changing this and that. And this year, the back to the Yamaha was to get on new equipment, get back on the fuel injection, which I love, the consistency because it runs the same the whole moto, you know, even in the heat. And you can go and get a brand-new bike in a dealership. Um, yeah, I'm just go get equipment, and, you know, Yamaha – backs the sport you know they back chad not me so much um but you know that it's always up for grabs in the future you know i feel like if they're sponsoring chad you know who knows how much longer he'll race he could race another year he could race another eight years i have no idea but you know i know eventually the torch has to get passed on and it's good to get in early and um that's kind of just like how i look at it like i'm gonna go where the support is um for the future and try to present myself now for it and don't get me wrong like it, it i love the bike i'm happy i made the switch i'm gonna stick with it as of right now uh, i'm definitely staying on a yamaha again but you know how things go oh, things yeah. change things can change in a week or two at the most random times but i, I would tell you 99 i'm gonna be on one again yeah you know i'm all for um I'm all for supporting a brand like that that's supporting the sport. I tell people, I've told people countless amount of times, if it wasn't for having, you know, for me personally having, 
you know, all the extra parts and stuff that I have, I'd love to ride a Yamaha. I'd love to support Yamaha. Um, even every year that bike gets better and better, you know, it comes with, you know, suspension keeps coming, keeps getting better and better. It comes with a slipper clutch now and this, that, and the other thing. I mean, the bike is a legit race style bike from the factory. I'm all for that. So, um, it's so awesome. It's really cool to see you see you back riding a, the blue bike and that it's going so well. And no matter what people say, they can't argue with your results. So uh, the results have been good, and you got over that hump and got that podium. And, you know, one thing's for sure is those CST tires helped you out for sure, too, to get up there because, uh, man, like, man, those tires are so damn good. Like, uh, I just – I mean, how how good are they? Like, I can't, I can't so, even explain people. It's crazy because uh, there's some products where I'm, like, really stuck in my ways. And regardless of the brand switch, I was always on Max's tires. And, man, how, uh, it was coming into 2018. I saw Thomas had a great year on it because he ran all the way. He ran him at 17, and he had a great year. And I was talking to those guys a little bit, and I sw- – Went to the switch them. They sent me a couple test sets, and I'll tell you what, man, they were phenomenal. I love how they offer two different compounds. Yep. And I know last year, I mean, it's no secret. I, I could tell people. I mean, because you could see it on my bike. Last year, I ran the hard compound all year, for and the hard compound is the rear tires only. The fronts are only one. Yep. So this year, actually, every race I've been running, every single race I run the soft ones now, regardless of the track. Um. And I feel like it, it's helped, you know, because, you know, for a sand track, you'd think that, hey, like I want to go to a harder tire that doesn't flex as much. But when you really look at the, in quotes, sand tracks we go to, like a Red Bud, I could point out half the sections that were dry slick there. Exactly. You're exactly like I, right. And we're on quad, we're on dirt bike. So, like, yep. regardless of the sand, deep down on those ruts where we're gripping is hard. Oh, there's always a hard base. Yeah. If, if someone – um, can get the soft tires every race for the rears. I'd be going for that. That's so, just how I got it. So you and I started running CST at the same time, and yep. um, I swear by them. I think I talk them up so much that people don't that don't like people don't even believe me. And uh, so it was cool for CST to come on, um, and support my podcast here. But I wanted, I knew I had the chance to 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 mention it to you. And like I said, I swear by them. And it's funny now that you're running the soft compound because that's 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 all I've ever ran. Um, <laughs> I ran the hard ones at the beginning to try them, and I've been on the soft ones ever since. And I'm the same way. I don't even I don't even ever think about it. The soft compound is what I run, and it's not like some other brands where the soft compound was like uh almost like a higher dollar version because the price point's exactly the same. It's just whatever you prefer. So I was going to ask you, that was my literally my next question in line was what compound are you running in the rear, the soft or the hard? And yeah. I The green, the softies, the, uh, on my practice bikes, I run the red, the hard ones, because I could put so much time on them and I'll change them. And like I put four times the amount of time on a practice bike and the tread is like still like awesome. Like I they, know. Yeah, don't get me wrong. They're great, but I just do it for the the longevity of the tire on the practice bikes instead of changing them. You know, but, but even the even the soft compound, I oh, can't yeah. I can't imagine I can't believe how they hold up, but they there's so much traction. They're so soft, but they hold up. It's just it doesn't even make sense. I, I, uh, I Thomas Brown's going great on them. Um, 
Uh, I'm doing pretty well. It's no secret. It's it's an absolute capable tire of doing very well and winning. And the top guys in the pro class can run it. it it's very capable. And again, I, I, I'm, there's some things that I don't like to switch. Um, like the little things that I know that you can bring quad to quad, certain rims, certain tires, yep. my handlebars, uh, my brakes, everything. Some things I don't like to change. And the tires was big. It, it really was big for me. Um, and I, I was just nothing but happy with it. So it was, it might have been the same for you, but I was the same way in that I never even considered any other tire because I didn't think anything could compete with all the years like you and I ran Maxis. I thought that that was really, Kind of the only only option, and yeah. yeah, I I'm completely blown away by the CST too. So it was cool to hear you uh, hear you talk about that, and um, and yeah, yeah so I'm a, I'm a firm believer. So they're awesome. I think if if people are out there, even if they're not at the racetrack, they have an awesome website, super simple to order from. I mean, it's you couldn't ask for like an easier way to do it. Um, I got the rider Caesar Jimenez are. On my team, he's running them. He loves them. I know he does. I got him to switch to them. Just anybody that I've gotten to try them, I've heard nothing but positive things back. Exactly. Like it, so in my promo or my little ad that I've made for the podcast here, I don't know how to word it correctly. But, yeah, every single person that I've had try the tire. Quote it from what I say. <laughs> st- exactly. Sticks with the tire. So you're, I've heard nothing but positive things. Exactly. 100% approval rate. So, um, so yeah, so the next thing I want to touch on is your fitness. You know, we, we both are athletes for the program and, um, I mean, I can just look at you. Anybody can look at you and know that fitness is a strength of yours. Sure. It's, you know, it's one of those things. I'll be honest with you, man. Like I hate physical training, like doing it, but I can't go a day without it. Like, it like there's will be a one day that goes by and, and I'll not like I just like can't sit still. I'm like one of those people like I gotta be doing something. I uh especially this past year I um I had a two fifty dirt bike that I would train on a lot, but it was really cool to have for a little while, but I wouldn't really ride it very much. You'll see where I'm going with this. And I would only ride it like here and there. And I'm looking at this thing in like November, December and I'm like, man, like, how many times did I use this thing? It was like I rode it two or three times that entire year. I sold the dirt bike, uh, got my couple thousand dollars back, and it was like, whatever, four thousand dollars. And I put four thousand dollars into my home gym, and I bought like, and I already had kind of like a half gym, but I went even more of like, like I'm gonna put more hours in this gym than I did on that dirt bike, and I know that was a huge key to this year. It's just like. You know, you could buy all the fancy equipment, but if you're not using it, it's not doing anything. But Absolutely. I knew yep. I got all this stuff and I have a cool setup for like for me, like for in, in our basement in this area. It's packed with like like if any motocross guy saw it, he'd be like, this is all I need. Everything right here. I've like seen some of your pictures. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't put any up recently, but it's everything somebody would really want. Like I really don't have what I wouldn't want. And I put time down there every single day. Um, fitness, I know, I will never say that it was never a problem of mine, but it's never, like, I never felt throughout my career that I didn't work, I mean, maybe once or twice that I didn't work hard enough. Maybe, like, I should have ate differently before a race, but I always, always was into fitness, like, going to the gym, 
um, even at a young age. And it's kind of just like something that's stuck. And I've gotten more into it in the past, uh, I don't know, two to three, four years. Um, I appreciate that, that you recognize that. I do. I work hard to, you know, um, I, I like the result. It's not so much I love the training. I mean, to put myself through what I put myself through physically is exhausting. I'll be the first to tell you, like, it is exhausting. Um, it takes a toll on your body, but, man, do you feel good when you're done? You can walk around confident and walk around that like, you know you're ready. Or like, when you, or when like, you to, show up at the line or you show up at the gate, right? Like knowing you put in all the work behind the scenes, there's no substitute for that. You either did it or you didn't. It's never in the back of my head, like never, um, on the pro line that, man, I'm not in shape for this. Like it's always in my head that like I'm one, I, I can't count on anybody else, but I know I'm one of the best shaped guys in the top two or three on this line. And you're going to have to be straight in this you go faster but it can sure help you ride stronger which could make you go faster. maybe it does in a sense i know just being in shape helps a lot um i cut some weight um last year i'm not a big guy by any means i know you're probably looking at me like your head's like are you cutting weight but for what we do um i'm actually like five to ten pounds lighter than i was last year and I feel even better on the bike, just like faster. Not not so much like speed wise, uh, a little bit speed wise faster, but just like faster movements. Reaction. You know, not like slugging on the bike or just like more like quick, like very. I'm trying to figure out how to word it. Just that little weight cut for me for it's a like smaller time. You're more responsive. Yeah, and it's very hard to stay. Very hard to stay at that weight, honestly. Okay. But okay. It's something i i like weighing myself every day and honestly the hardest thing is eating like you, you know like it sounds crazy but like the workout it, stuff uh, that's not like it's not hard but your diet is is um like you I, I could put on weight pretty quick and i can lose it really quick too but like certain meal like i can eat really bad and like feel like a total <laughs> slug um but I, i've been a lot better this year with eating especially weeks before races and stuff. Don't get me wrong. Right after a race, I'll eat whatever I want, but you know, right. Um, e- eating clean is very important. Just, you know, it's a lot that's been different for me this year, which I like. Sure. So in a, in a kind of like a similar, um, on a similar topic, I recently recorded an episode with Dom from the program and, um, that'll be dropping soon, but, one thing that he had mentioned when we when we were talking about you is your consistency, and it's almost like you're so consistent, it's almost like to a fault where, um, you know, where it's almost hard for you to break out of that consistent. It's hard for you to kind of like push your level, right? Like like um, kind of like that, you know, that pushing your all out speed. Is that something that you kind of work on or do you, do you recognize that as something you have a hard time doing is going all out? Um, you know, something that I catch myself and this will be like very straightforward, like something I catch myself doing a lot is getting caught in my comfort zone and that's like in speed or training and it's like, for the level we're at, like 
you have to constantly, constantly improve. And that, I would say, is the hardest part to to come out of that. And for exactly what you just said, like the consistency, like I don't want people to think that, you know, it's just been fourths or fifths, which it has been, but the work hasn't been just fourths or fifths. Like I know that I've worked harder and differently every single year. And it's like that that's the the whole part that that's really what ate me alive it's just like the that one of the things not so much to people but i know a lot of people think that it's like you know this kid's not doing anything different he's just staying where he is he, you know he's not even trying that's so not what that is i'm giving credit to the people i race with that these guys are stepping their game up as well so i know i've gotten better but the results have kind of stayed the same throughout the top guys because every single one of us gets better every year. Absolutely. And that's really um, – you have to come out of your comfort zone and more. And that's the hard part, and that's the true professional ATV motocross racer of a consistent person that's been up there for years of – like you have to know like really what it takes. Like there's people that have great one races or great one years, but you know do it for a lot of years. and. Um, I don't want to stay where I am. I want to go further. And I know that's going to require, you know, every, every next level of your life or whatever you do requires a different you, you know, and that's a something, again, that comfort zone is something that's got to be a different you and you've got to come out of it. And it's scary. It's scary to ride at a different speed you're not comfortable with. And you've got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that is. Not very easy. <laughs> no, no, but you couldn't have you couldn't have said it any better. But I mean, I don't want to let that pass by without mentioning that you know all those fourths and all those fifths. Even for somebody that you know is is a is a person that follows the sport real closely, or is a person that was you know racing against you in those same gate drops for all those years. Like there was one thing. Like I think of you in that same group with the guys that you know you're chasing to be after because you were. Can so consistent. You were, you know, you you always knew you were going to be fourth or fifth. Like you see other guys that maybe have a good race and they have a bad race and they, you know, whatever. And you might have had like a top three, but even a bad race for you, you're still you'd look and you're still fourth or fifth overall. You know, like so so so. I just don't want to let you go by without giving yourself credit because from a competitor, from a fan, you know, I like. The way you go about your business and being so consistent and being so professional, I give you so much credit. Yeah, thank you. You know, the one thing I do want to want to say, and you're giving me a lot of credit, and I very much do appreciate that. You know, the the fourths and fifths were really cool for me, like the first two kind of three years. But I'll tell you what, man, I've been sick of it to my stomach. I am not this whole past two years. I have not been satisfied at all. I come off a track in fourth or fifth and I'm pissed. Like, how long is this going to go on? Right. You know, it's, it's people are like, oh man, you're a top five guy. And it's like, well, it's, it's, it's been like this. Like, I'm not amused anymore. I'm sick of it and I got to do something to change it. And I, it's good because I, I know I, I came out of that, got a third overall. It's one breakthrough weekend, but it's a positive light going forward that, you know, like, it just goes to show you, you stick with anything long enough. You know, you'll achieve it. You know, it, it is. I just feel like, like just something crazy, man. Just like right before Redbud, I just feel like 
I hit an all-time low personally in myself just like in the season. And I like just the whole mental side of this. And, and I don't want to sound like a mental case, but like it's just like after Unadilla, man, I just I don't know what happened. Just like I had great races in a row where I like touched touched the podium, didn't get it. But it was just like I felt like an all-time low or like holding my head in the trailer after Unadilla. Like what the hell am I doing? Like how long is this going to be these results? And it was just like this, this, this was that was like rock bottom for me of 2019 was right before Red Bull was. And I, I wouldn't have said it if I didn't do it. But that was really like for me, rock bottom of this whole year. Just like I, I've been killing myself to just every single way I can. And I'm very hard on myself as a person when I don't do well in something. I'm very competitive. Um, I'm not easy on myself. And it was just like I'm. Like everything I have to offer is on the table and I got nothing left in me and I'm coming up short. It was true rock bottom for me of 2019 before Red Bud. And it was just like just a big eye opener in life. And it's like it's crazy how God works in mysterious ways. Sometimes it's like sometimes you have to hit that, you know, for him to be like, hey, like it's time. You know, it's you've you've this is why. It's taken this long for you to learn this of what it really takes so you can take this and go on in life. Absolutely. Oh, that at the all time low, no matter how long something takes that you can come back and it's, they happen, you know, I don't want to say they happen when you least expect it, but a Red Bull was a race that I least expected it probably because I wasn't thinking about it and I was able to just ride. You know what I mean? No, I do. Yeah, I do. And, yeah. you know, they say that the first one, when you get something, when you achieve something like that, that the first one is the toughest one, and the ones after that might come a little easier. And, you know, yep. that very well could be the case for you because you got over the hump. It's not, you know, how many times am I going to come close or can I do it? It's I've done it. I know what it takes. I need to be consistent. I need to get good starts. Now let's go yep. do it again. Yeah, absolutely. The the whole shots are, are so important to me right now. Just starting up front, man, it makes your race, oh, my God. I mean, 90%, however many percent easier. It just, you, can't just, even, you can't even explain how much easier it makes Just starting, it's like being in a race with somebody, if you're starting ahead of them, you're, you're more likely to beat them than you are starting behind them. Absolutely. And then be ahead of eight more guys than that you're normally not ahead of. It takes your day just like so much easier. Wouldn't you like to be able to see like what the odds would look like? You know, when you see where you start from sometimes and then when you get a good hole shot, what the odds would be different of you, you know, getting the finish you want. But yeah, I'd love to see the odds. I feel like if I could go back, like the amount of podiums I would have gotten in my career if I started up front, but it's not if. I didn't do it. It's I had to have done it. Well, I know that it's been a lot more, mm-hmm. but I have mm-hmm. not been a front starter, and getting a podium and starting in the back is not an easy task. No, no, it's not. Um, but it's one of those things, you know, you're, you're figuring some stuff out. You said you figured some stuff out with your setup, and, um, you know, it's better yeah. – better that you're figuring it out now than uh you know than not figuring it out at all so um it's been really cool to kind of see that glimpse inside your the way you see things and what it takes to get up there and uh man before i let you go i got a couple fan questions here and uh about some stuff um 
to kind of shoot at you before before you take off. And uh, yeah, so friend of the show, Tyler Hamrick, um, he shot us a question, and he he asks, um, what was it like riding for Wien and Motorsports, and was there a reason um, it only lasted for one year? Uh, riding for Wien and Motorsports is actually really cool. You know, I I got to, I got. First of all, the one year, it was only a one year contract. Um, the whole year I got to, well, let me start with that year. I met a lot of great people. I went down to Florida. It was really my first year going away training. This was the winter of 2014. And I went down to Daytona, Florida and I stayed at Chris Borch's house. I met a bunch of GNCC guys, Johnny Gallagher, um, big names, just legends that like holy crap like i'm at their house chad's here and i got to live with these guys for two months and boy did they whip me into shape not even physically i mean i don't want to say not physically physically but just like as a i was 18 years old and these guys are all like 30s mid 30s and they were they were rough i mean but it, it was cool man they were they were very welcoming it was a great um it was a great uh winter it was really cool just the amount of riding i got to do was really cool for me it was a new bike it was the first year on a yamaha um the year went okay you know it was i feel like maybe i struggled a little bit on setup that year you know i remember my race bike was a lot of what chad wanted um and i wanted to change a couple of things we had a couple of small disagreements that i wish we were able to straighten out um but really weren't um, but the bike was cool. Um, the whole thing, you know, being with Chad, being associated with him gave me a lot of recognition. And I know that's, that that one year, um, helped me a lot even to this day. Um, just getting my name out there, you know, even from five years ago, that was, it was just really cool. Chad's, uh, I, I learned so much from Chad. Like I, I've appreciated him so much more. Now, not that I don't never appreciate him, but I like I totally like get him now, like why he is the way he is, just his discipline to this sport. You know, even when you talk to him on this podcast, like talking to him for two hours is you hear a lot from him, but when you're living basically with the guy for a month or two, you see his ways, and it's like if if you want to be the man, you got to beat the man, and beating him is like it. That's a whole different level that people you know don't really see you know people could say what they want about chad and he's just a phenomenal it obviously he's a phenomenal rider but he's a phenomenal person in what he does like he's so organized he's so mechanically great at um i mean i know he builds all of his own stuff from motors to the bikes ground up and that is not easy i mean when i went down there i uh i had next to no mechanical skills at this point i know a lot more like i could build a whole bike now other than like a motor ground up but he uh he taught me a lot like a lot of things to like of just discipline as a racer um you know it kind of fell apart at the end you know how's just some things go in racing and how just some deals don't end up working out nothing nothing bad you know we it ended and you know we kind of shook hands and we moved on and I stayed on the Yamaha and went to my own privateer race program and we lined up again next year and now we're totally cool and, you know, still race each other and be competitive and that's 
just how it is. You know, it's uh, it's a thing in the past and a positive memory that I have that um, I've moved forward from. And I'm sure it's, you know, an invaluable, um, you know, kind of experience for you because you kind of took – a similar approach to how Chad runs his program, and now that's how you run yours too. You know, you run a very similar program to Chad's, and I'm sure that you took all the stuff that you learned from him and kind of replicated it yourself. So um, that's kind of why, you know, we we got an array of questions, and that's one of the ones I wanted to pick out because um, I figured you'd say something like that where you learned a lot from Chad, and now you kind of do your own thing similar to how to how he does it. So you probably learned a lot from him. So um, I'll take a lot from that. And- move on yeah so i got another one here from another friend of the show um and soon to be a competitor of yours i guess in the pro class logan stanfield and uh he said how cool is it to have a race with the dirt bike pros and he, he mentioned that he should he'd like to see the series combined but how how cool is it to have that another event uh with the pro bikes here um like they had you know 10 years ago i guess it's it's cool um i I, I'm going into this event at Ironman very open-minded. I don't really know what this is going to be like. You know, it's, I don't know what the attendance will be on the quad side, like, cause obviously all the pros will be there and more. Um, but it's a Friday. It's a Friday. I, I think it's later in the day, obviously. Yeah. So you know, dirt bike guys will be there. You know that they're going to be poking their heads out of the trailer. Man, what's that on the track? Man, wait, that guy just hit that big thing and. <laughs> They'll be watching. They'll think it's cool. I mean, listen, man. I mean, what we do, if anyone caught an eye out of it, you know, everyone's one to talk smack behind the computer screen and behind their phone. But when you're there in person, it's cool. I mean, yeah. they're hiding it. Like, what we do is awesome. Um, to answer his question, um, his question was, what, like, how cool is it to yeah, be there? Yeah, yeah, just how cool it's, is it? It's, I'm really excited. And it's not just for the dirt bike guys, but it's just for the – it's a foot in the door. Absolutely. Yep. Something could be, you know, for some of the pro rounds. And I I think it's going to be really positive for us. It's, it can't do anything in my opinion to hurt us. Absolutely. No, you're exactly right. I I just thought it was a great opportunity. I think it's a great opportunity is right. And I was pumped when they announced it. Absolutely. Because, you know, there's a lot of those pros that were beating the table for a lot of years trying to get something like this to happen. So it's really cool. And, and it's cool, um, that it's the finale for the bikes and it's the finale for the quads. You're right. All in one weekend. The finale for them. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah. So it's pretty, pretty, pretty cool. I, uh, you know, like he, he had mentioned he wants to see the series combined. I don't see how that can ever happen because, you know, ATV motocross without, um, without the amateurs would fall completely apart. And there's no way you you and I do it on a similar level or did in the, in the pro years where, um, you know, you're funding your own program for the most part. And there's no way you could go from coast to coast and do that whole deal like the bikes do. But, um, totally understand like the whole west coast thing for what we do i mean could we do it for one year we could but we wouldn't be racing the next yeah, well, year right like how they're going from washuga washington to unadilla new york next like there's no way i mean there's my there's half my season budget right there <laughs> it's uh it's you never know where things lead um you know where we are where we were 10 years ago in this sport to now it's like people wouldn't guess but 
you can only hope for positive things moving forward. Yeah, the so. way I, the way I look at it is, um, it's a great opportunity, but don't be so worried about what it could, you know, what it's going to mean in the future, what it could become, whatever. Like appreciate it as it's happening. All the people that are there, all the factories that are there, sure. all the pros that are there, like. Someday you're going to be like, hey, remember that time that, you know, we raced with the bikes? Like, appreciate it. I got invited to it. It's on my schedule. I'm going. Absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of one of those things you can't say no to. Are you going to that to watch? Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm either going to be there to cover it for the podcast stuff because I got asked to do another live show maybe as part of it. Or um or I'm gonna line up with you guys and race it. So So we're gonna see either way I'm not gonna miss it. Definitely not gonna miss that event. So you should race there. Yeah, that'd be cool. So I got one more question for you, um, from Ethan Conley and he asks, What is it like to be one of the fastest riders in the world and what advice would you give a younger rider? Uh what it would be like what's it like to be one of the fastest riders in the world? Um it's it's kind of hit me over time and you are able to really size yourself up. You can't, you don't really know you are until you size yourself up and truly know it. And you could do it every single weekend for years and years. And that kind of sticks with you. Like, and you know, for sure that I am one of these guys and I belong here. And until you could believe that and you could show it and know what you put in, you know, the harder you work, the harder it is to surrender at something. And it's like, um, I, I try not to think of it too much. You know, like I'm, I, I don't like to get my head too big at all. You know, I, I know that I'm absolutely, you know, uh, like, again, I don't like to sound big, but I know that I'm one of the best at this sport. One of them, not saying the best, right. one of them. And I, uh, I, I just, it's in my head, but at the same time, it's like, there's people better than me and I want to be better. Well, that's, yeah, that's, like, that's the yeah, athlete and the competitor I, in you. It's like, it's not like I'm stopping where I am. I just, I don't know. I, I don't really think about it too much. Like I, I think about it, but it's just like, you know, it's mm-hmm. something I've worked for, you know, it's not something I was born like this. You know, it's, I, I feel like, you know, everyone is born, you know, not the same, but you know, you, I believe in talent. You know, I know even like Conor McGregor had said something that I couldn't agree with more. He's like, I believe everyone's equal and I don't believe in talent. Like I believe in hard work. Sure. Yep. I feel like, and I'm not, like I'm a little bit of a McGregor fan, but not so much. But like that one quote was just like, I so agree with that. Yeah. Um, what was the second part of his? So he just, he just asked what kind of advice you would give a rider oh, like him who wants to get where you are um, someday. First of all, I know a couple of things that have ruined my years in racing was not having fun. You, you got to have fun. I'm not saying go out and go be a knucklehead with your friends and do stupid stuff, that kind of fun. But, like, don't beat yourself up so much. Like, you got to be hard on yourself because if you're not – if you want to get to where I am, it's going to require different you. It's going to require more discipline. It's going to require more training, more riding, more breaking down. Why is this guy beating me? You know, why, what is he doing differently than I'm doing? And you got to do that. And, but at the same time, like there's a fine line of getting very frustrated with your results and not over killing yourself mentally. Like you've got to, man, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like, 
you can't overthink things and beat yourself up too much, but you got to be hard on yourself, but know when to lighten up. You've yep. got to have fun with what you do because you came into the sport because it was fun. Absolutely. And, and when it's not fun and it's like a straight job, you hate what you do, you don't want to ride, you have a bad race, throwing the, the helmet and gloves, and I ain't doing this anymore, you can't do that stuff. You have to take the bad weekends and you fall down nine times and you stand up ten. Absolutely. And do that and do that and do that. And I'm telling you, you don't give up. You just keep going and going and going. You push back. Eventually, you know, you, you'll always get what you want if you don't quit. And it will. Sometimes it takes 50 races. <laughs> you know, right. it's, it's crazy. It took me 50 races to get a podium. But it's just 50 national events that it took me to get that. But it's just a prime example of, like, just something that beat me up for a while, 50 times. doesn't seem like a lot, but go to a national 50 times. <laughs> that's unreal. Yeah, that's a long time. One thing, it's like you finally get it, man. It, it, there's nothing more rewarding. So for him, man, have fun with it, but it requires a different level of you. And every next ver- every next level of you requires a different version of you, and you got to be willing to change and upscale your game in Every single way. Yep. And that's a very honest of like, you know, hard work and dedication goes a long way. You know, I, I'm so happy you said that because uh, we talked about it actually in the in the um, in the segment previous to you coming on, and I've said it in the in some of the past shows that I've done. But um, I wish somebody could have told me in the past to have a little more fun because I probably. Um, I for sure would have enjoyed the ride more, but I probably would have been more successful because I was having fun. And, uh, you know, the other thing is, is like you said, it's we all got into the sport because we enjoyed it, because we love it. So don't take the fun out of it. That's what it's all about. And if it, and whatever you become as a rider, whether it's someone like you who's at the very top of the sport or you're, you know, find, find yourself somewhere in between, that doesn't matter because as long as you're having fun, um, you're going to take the lessons that you're talking about and you're going to be able to apply them maybe to something else in life. So it's, it's more like enjoy it. Like in, now I don't say like enjoy the failures, but like you got to love that. Like you just got beat by like two or three people. Like I love these guys just beat me, but this is, this is where I need to be. And Absolutely. this is how I need to be. And this is the bar. Like the bar's here and now the bar's here. Well, if it yeah. wasn't so damn hard, if it wasn't so damn hard, you wouldn't feel so good about that podium that you just got, you know? Yeah. You have to like love to you have to love the challenge and it's not easy but you have to love the competition and you know enjoy the ride man it, it it makes it so much more again like god works in crazy ways it makes you hit rock bottom at something before you accomplish it and it just feels so much better now it's like i've never been at such a low just in like my own head not depression just just like i'm out of i'm out of me like i don't even know what else i could do here yep all i did moving on was give it i stood up i stood up again and that was all it was a lot of times and you just keep standing up and you don't just stand up and just try in quotes you stand up and try harder and you, you hard work goes a long way yeah end it with that like it just it, it eventually you, know, you work hard at something for a long time it'll it'll Go a long way. Yeah, I love it. 
That was a great question. Great question by Ethan there. Great answer. Um, We're going to send Ethan some 100% goodies for asking uh, a question like that. Nick, you know, you're such a great role model. I'm so pumped to, you know, have you finally got that podium finish you've been looking for. I'm so glad the timing worked out to have you on after your biggest day um, of your career there. And, uh, again, congrats. And I just can't thank you enough for your time. Yeah, thank you very much, Cody. Literally, like you said, couldn't have worked out any better. Just crazy right after. I was so pumped. Just a lot of things um, came into play. You know, this is a positive note. Um, uh, just just everything. You know, when, when you get a fourth place, you get, I don't want to say no exposure, but when you get a third, you're in that picture. Absolutely. It's no pun intended. You're in that picture. So you're getting the same amount of exposure as the first place guy. And the amount of Post I got tagged in this week, it, was just, it felt like a win. It's just like this is where I needed to be, and it's amazing that I have a – I feel like I have a pretty big name in the sport for someone that hasn't been in that, in quotes, picture yep. of a podium yep. because you go from first, second, third, all the exposure, attention, all social media to nothing. Uh-huh. Fourth is the same amount of recognition as last. Yeah, you're That's right. That's really what that feels like. So it, it's great you know, to come on here. I'm just thankful that it worked out, and it's just even cooler that we talked about it. So I, I appreciate your time just as much for having me on. I was really pumped when I got the uh, invite on here. Yeah, I mean, for the record, um, we were going to have you on before the podium, <laughs> but uh, not like other, you know, not like other media stuff, maybe. But uh, but yeah, couldn't have worked out any better. And uh, yeah, what we have talked about, you know, it's true. It's true. I, I am so pumped to have you on in a positive light like that. And uh, like I said, congrats again. So pumped for you. Go get them at the ranch. And uh, yeah, pal, come back soon because it was a pleasure to have you on. Cool, man. Thank you very much. I'll see you there. Thanks again. Good, dude. What a motivating interview. And awesome to hear from a top-tier rider who has the same view of our CST Pulse MXR tires. Cheat code. Okay. So anyways, that was our featured guest of the night, Nick Janusa, brought to you by DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 chain. And from one great interview to another, and I must say each of these interviews tonight would have been amazing by themselves, but together I have to believe it's the best episode yet. And you're going to really like this last guest of ours. He was a late addition, but we had to get him on, and soon you'll know why. If you're a fan of ATV racing and you have a pulse, you know that Northeastern Ohio was the place to be last weekend. Enjoy. So now for those of you who who know me personally, you know that TT and flat track is my background. That's where it started for me. So I so badly wanted to be at Astabula's Pine Lake um, 50th anniversary event this past weekend. Um, It was the place to be for the ATV racing world. And since I couldn't be there in person, I got someone... uh, who was right in the middle of, uh, of all the battles there um, to help me cover it. I think uh, I can refer to him as a, as a living legend um, after he nearly won the Legends race, finishing second. And, uh, yeah, and then he grabbed a third-place podium finish in the pro class and fourth in pro-am. So I'm talking about Mitch Reynolds, everybody. Welcome to the podcast, pal. Yeah, great, great to be on here, Cody. appreciate you for having me on. Um, yeah, man, I, I, uh, sounded like you had a heck, heck of a weekend down there and I just can't, uh, can't thank you enough for, um, giving us your time because, uh, it's an event that was monumental and we got to be able to cover this. Yeah, it was great. Uh, it's kind of what brought us out of retirement. Uh, just a phone call towards the beginning of the year 
And uh, Dad said, hey, do you think you can still ride one of these things? I said, well, I, I don't know. I'll give it a shot. So uh, anyway, a few months later, here we are and uh, battling for that top spot. So it was it was great, you know, kind of. Really? To, yeah. Really? So the so the, the Astabula event is what kind of got you got you back going. Yeah. I mean, when we when we got out of it, uh, you know, that that fire was still going. So I just had to get rid of everything and and hang it up all together. And, you know, I follow you guys in the motocross world a little bit, uh, just kind of living vicariously through y'all. And, uh, yeah. but anyway, when, uh, dad and Jody had been talking and so dad called me up, I'd been out mountain biking and, uh, was wondering if I could, if I could still ride one. I said, I, you know, I don't know. I haven't, I hadn't set foot on anything in 10 years. And, uh, but Pine Lake has always been a, a great event. It's actually, the first place that I podiumed, actually my first national ever for that, for that matter. And so I was like, definitely, I've always loved that track, uh, always had good results there. So what better place to, uh, to train and come back out? Man, that's awesome. Um, that's so cool that an event like that, I think it probably worked that way for some other people too, where it, you know, got all kinds of other people that weren't going to be at a, at a TT race and they came out of retirement, but it's so cool for you because you've been doing the whole season. So it, you know, got the, got you fired up and got you back out there for the, the kind of whole shebang. Definitely did. Uh, the original plan was to try to go out and get a couple events under my belt and then hit that one up, uh, just kind of. Went, I got a hold of Garrett Keister, which is the Midwest champ from last year, and he got me a bike together and tried it out. And I said, okay, I think I still can remember how to do this. And uh, then uh, Dad and I started talking. He said, let's. He said I would rather build some bikes and go at it full force. So, you know, here we are. I don't know how many races I've done, 10 or 15, kind of raced all of the series uh, that are currently running TT at this point. And uh, so been in – on the podium in each one of those events too. So it's, it's pretty awesome. So we, we felt pretty pumped up, uh, for Pine Lake for sure. Yeah. That's so cool to see you back out there. Um, so yeah, before we get into, into more of your racing, let's talk about, um, the event itself. It looks like, looks like it was a true spectacle and it was really cool to see that it was made into like, as big of a deal as it deserved to be, to be the 50th anniversary there? Did I hear there was almost 900 entries? Yes. Uh, I think the last official count that I got was 891 entries. Oh, my so God. So definitely huge event. Uh, they opened up their front field, which is usually just spectators, and I want to say that thing was like 75 or 80% full up there. It was just crazy, not only the amount of riders there, but just people – that came out, uh, you know, they've been out of the sport, uh, to come and support and revisit everyone. Uh, it's, you know, it's pretty awesome, uh, to be there guys from Curtis Sparks flying over to, I, I mean, you name it. We had, yeah, we had, yeah, yeah. Shane, Shane hit and Tim Farr and Harold Goodman riders like that. And then, you know, when you think about Corey Ellis and guys like Donnie Banks and, um, Tom Carlson, I saw was there, Jackie Meadows, Jimmy White, like the list goes on. It was the place to be no matter what era of ATVs you came from. Definitely the, definitely the who's who of racing were there. And then the motocross was represented with Jeffrey Restrelli and Thomas. They were there, uh, supporting uh the tt world so that was pretty awesome as well yes yeah, so, so did you get any scoop from those guys what they thought about what was going on 
Oh, definitely. You know, these guys are doing it for a living, so they're out there, you know, giving me some critique on, uh, you know, get rid of the notchiness. You need to hit this line like this and that. And uh, anyway, it was pretty awesome to have feedback from those guys. But I said, hey, got to remember, I, I'm doing this uh, one or two days a week. You guys are on a quad multiple hours a day. So right, but it's yeah. To get feedback were, from them for sure. Were they uh, were they like blown away by how big the event was and the attendance and stuff like that? Were they impressed by that? I'm assuming. Yeah, definitely. So uh, Thomas and I actually uh, he called a couple days ago and we talked and he said he was just really impressed with how the event was promoted uh, and and you know they thought it was just awesome. Even kind of got their wheels turning on maybe wanting to get on the TT track one day. So we'll see what we can make happen there. Uh, I know they were, you know, we're coming in the first corner at 70 plus 75 miles per hour. And so that kind of, uh, I, I know that scared them a little bit. They said, you guys are crazy. You know, when these guys are go out and bomb a big hundred foot triple, we all think that's crazy. So, right. Yeah. Well, that's a TT's a, a whole nother animal, you know, it's kind of like, uh, I mean, ATVs are ATVs, but it's almost like a totally different sport. It's almost more than just a different genre. Um, so, yeah, so so the event looked amazing. It was cool to have so many legends there, and um, the track looked incredible, too. Yeah, they did a great job. Uh, totally redesigned from last time I was there, which was 11 years ago, uh, but really cool uh, technical, some some quite a few jumps, really, uh, and so made made for a fun track, some flow, some technicality, and so really challenged uh, all the top riders, and I think the top riders came to the front out there. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's cool to see a track be as big as or you know as as good um, as the event itself was. So that that's pretty special. So yeah, let's talk about your weekend. You were second in the Legends race, and you, man, you damn near won that thing. I don't know where you started, but uh, but you came from the back to nearly win the Legends race. You finished second there, third in Pro Class, fourth in Pro Am. Tell me about your weekend. So, yeah, it was really good. Uh, so qualified second in the Pro Class. Uh, we won our Legends heat and set the fastest time in that, and then I believe second in the Pro Am heat as well. Uh, but, yeah. We, we just wanted to try to get good starts on the weekend and try to get out front. Uh, didn't really pan out that way. Uh, in the Legends class, I believe I was second or third and got tangled up, so fell back to about 10th, and I, I thought the race was over, honestly. Daryl Rath and I were tangled up, and uh, about the third time that we tried to get them apart, the bikes finally came apart, and so just had to put my head down and was grinding and, you know, just picking people off. Actually, Shane Hitt and I had a really good battle, so that was pretty awesome because I've watched hours on end of him going around that track. He's always been a person that I've looked up to. And so uh, I was able to pass him. He he passed me back in a good Shane Dog fashion, and then I got to pass him again. Uh, and then Kirby Cook, uh, he was out front, and we I tried to pass him. It was about, I think, about a half a bike length at the finish line. Oh, so it, it was, was close. Yeah, you were coming. So he, he actually is the one who designed the trophies for the event. So you know what? Kudos to Kirby. Uh, he was riding good. He had really trained hard for it. But uh, we, we were on the move for sure in the Legends class. So that kind of started off the night for us. Uh, then in the pro race, uh, again, not the best start. Um, definitely, I'm, I'm not sure, maybe seventh or eighth place uh, coming out of the first corner. And 
So we have a Joker line now. Uh, that's kind of something that NEDT developed. Uh, so it adds a new wrinkle to the race. Uh, it's a line that kind of slows a lap down, and everyone's required to take it for one lap. So you have kind of strategy within the race itself. Of course, yeah, uh, that's cool. So I don't know. I took the Joker about the first quarter of the race, and so at that point you don't really know where you're at. You're just trying to put in solid laps as fast as you can go. And uh, then I, I saw uh, Garrett Keister. You know, I knew he was up front. He whole shotted well, and we started kind of reeling him in. Uh, again, didn't really know where I was at, but then I saw Brad uh, got close enough and saw that he was out front. And I'm like, all right, we're we're getting close to a podium position here. Um, and so it all I caught Garrett at the end. Uh, was I made a charge to try to pass him, but in, landed third there on the box. So there ended up there were 33 pros out there, and so it was pretty awesome uh, to be at that point. You know, considering six months ago I was sitting on the couch or riding my mountain bike. Uh, you know, to be able to compete with these guys who have been at it is it's awesome. Gotta just be a pretty, lot. pretty so, surreal. Like you're almost reliving the past, you know. And then, to, and then to put yourself in a stat in a class so stacked with so many good guys and be right up at the front, uh, it's got to be an incredible feeling. Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, I kind of have to give all the kudos to my dad. When he called me, uh, he said, "You want to run Pine Lake?" I thought, well, you know, we go out for the plus thirty class. That'll probably be good for me. Uh, he's like, no, I mean, if we're going to do this thing, let's be serious. We're competitive. Uh, so he pushed me and, uh, you know, Jody at JB racing has been behind me since the beginning. So, uh, when those two guys, they weren't going to let me do anything less than give my best. So, uh, pretty awesome for sure. That is awesome. I, I was pretty much losing my mind on the podium. So that was cool. That is, that's so cool. So then, and you had a fourth in Pro-Am, so that was another good run. Yes, that was as well. Um, so that was on Sunday, a day day race. The track uh, conditions changed quite a bit. It was it was slick out there. Sure. I got a decent start, maybe fifth or sixth, and, and had to do a little work in that one as well. But Harder to uh, run up through the pack on a dry, slick day track, though, I'm assuming? Definitely that, you know, it takes a little different skill on the slick track and we're, we're developing the bike for that. I I really feel like a tacky track where you can just go as fast as you want to go is where I kind of go to the front. Um, but so I was, I was really happy with that fourth place finish in the slick because that doesn't really lend itself to me too well, but I'm developing there. So that's awesome. I didn't realize that there was, uh, I didn't realize that the, the day difference, the, um, Day track, night track difference, I didn't realize that. So, yeah, that's, like you said, that's totally different. You can't even compare the two. It's it's something we're learning as we go. I mean, TT is so much about reading the dirt. You know, it's not just about sheer speed and ability. I mean, you've got to have speed and ability, but you've got to really hit your setup. You can't compensate for it when the track uh, goes away, for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, I just uh, I've been following you obviously uh, throughout the season here, and it's just so cool to see you back on the racetrack. 
I was watching some of the videos from Pine Lake and, you know, I can see that same old style in you. You can see the style on the, the jumps and, um, the way you're soaking up some of the rollers and, you know, growing up, you were one of my favorite riders because I was always partial to the, to the guys that race TT, um, and the riders that could do both TT and motocross. And, uh, you know, you were strong at both. So that made you one of my, one of my absolute favorites. So I was stoked when you, uh, you know, when you threw your name back in the hat this year and got back out there, that was, that was awesome. That's awesome, man. Really an honor, uh, that, that you appreciate watching my riding style. Uh, it, it was funny when we got back into the TT world, they said, wow, you're, you ride so weird. They call me the Nerf bar rider, uh, <laughs> just because of my style of moving so much. Like all exaggerated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I said, well, that's just a motocross style. You know, that's, you spend, a lot of hours training on a motocross track that's the way you ride so absolutely and i always uh you know i, I always liked your style like i mentioned but um i always liked your your look too your look always looks so good um you know you wore that back in the day i remember you wearing that thor gear the white and black thor gear i wore the same gear thor helmet i had a thor helmet like it was just the whole thing i was such a mitch reynolds fan dude that is awesome to hear uh I guess you just never know the people that you're impacting, uh, especially when I w was younger. You know, you just kind of in your lane doing your thing. And as you get older, uh, you realize the impact that you have on others and that others have on you. It's cool. too. Yeah, it's cool, too, not to cut you up, but it's cool, too, to you, know, you see some of those things. And I'm sure you thought about stuff like that and, you know, um, the life you lived 10 years ago. And now here you are and you're you're doing it again. Like, that's got to be pretty awesome that you're kind of trying to get to relive some of that, those old experiences, you know? It definitely is. I think, you know, more than anything to me, it's the relationships that I'd formed before at the racetrack and the new relationships that I have. Like, I really appreciate that part of, of the racing community as much as anything. It's, it's really awesome. The people that you get to meet and the relationships you get to form. But yeah, for sure. You know, 10 years of, uh, of life have gone by, uh, maturity for me you know getting married having two children I have a career now uh so you have a little bit different stuff on the line and so your mentality is different but you know the skill is still there and so that's what's awesome uh that that god has given me the ability to he said you know here's your opportunity uh get back out there so yeah, that's awesome go run with it yeah that is that's really special you know i wish and maybe you feel the same way or did back then, but I wish we could go back in time and, you know, race with the boys in the, the GNC days and the Grand National Championship days where the series was mixed with both TT and, and motocross because um, that would have played right into my wheelhouse. Um, what do you think about that? Would you have, were you around uh, then? You would have been a kid, right? So I was, so I was into it, but we weren't running the whole okay. national series at that point, okay. but I was racing. Uh, so I remember that. I remember the consistency of Tim Farr. Always looked up to him and how Shane, you get on the TT track and there wasn't, who was going to come in second basically when exactly. Shane was out there. Yep. I, uh, uh, I, I had this conversation with somebody not that long ago and I told it to Shane too when I saw him last at an event in the last couple of years, but he was my favorite guy because like I said, I was partial to the TT guys. So he was a guy that was one of my favorites when I was young because he was, like you said, he was dominant on the TT. He was solid on the motocross and like that's how I saw myself at the time. Definitely. Well, that's what, uh, you know, so back in the day when I'm training with Thomas 
and running with these guys in Pro-Am, you know, I'm like, if they would ever put the series back together, you guys would be in trouble. You right, know? yeah. Just because of the, you know, I was I was decent at motocross, good at times, but definitely TT was my thing uh, as far as where speed was at. So Absolutely. So if the series was still structured that way, what current pro that we know of in the in the pro class, um, motocross, who would be the best at both? Because we know Brad Riley's like solid at both. He's good at both. But uh, what guy on the motocross side do you think would come in and be the best of both worlds? Well, that's kind of hard to say. Uh, I'm, I'm partial to Thomas because he's my buddy, but unfortunately he's not always the best at starts. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, I would have to say probably Joel. Uh, dude just has an incredible talent. He's and, solid with his starts. And he uh, ran he, he ran TTs when, when we were young, yep. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say he would. And I haven't seen Brad on a motocross track, but, man, is he – well, he won all three classes, uh, premier classes at Pine Lake. So oh, he's got to he? go on or so, yeah. Uh, he's a he sure looks like a, from afar it looks like he's a monster on a TT track and I spent a lot of years racing him on the motocross side and, uh, and he won pro am races he was a he was a contender he'd throw his he'd like get a top five or a top six in a pro race I mean he was uh, if nowadays he's maybe the modern the modern Shane hit um, because yeah he's really good on the TT stuff and he's pretty damn good on the motocross side too. Yep, for sure. So, uh, yeah, I wish we could go back and do that. Uh, like you said, the boys might be in trouble if, uh, if Mr. Mitch Reynolds was out there running the GNC series if it was current. But uh, like you had mentioned, you know, you'd been retired for a number of years. I didn't realize it was as many as 10. It didn't didn't feel like that long. This is your first season back, and, uh, you know, obviously uh, you kind of told the story of how Pine Lake played a role on you getting back in and dad and Jody, um, you know, going all in on it and saying that you weren't going to run an age class. You were going to go, uh, you know, to the top of the sport, but did you have any, did you have any doubts? Like, you know, are we going in too deep or, you know, is like, is my, do I still have this racing in me? I mean, did you have any doubts at the time coming into this year? Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, you, you wonder, you're like, okay, I was younger, a little more carefree then. Do I really have uh, the drive about me? Do Am I going to be aggressive enough on the track? Uh, all those things. And then, then you factor in getting hurt. You're like, I have a career and a family to take care of. Uh, am I really going to be able to to pull that off and, and race after race be okay? And I have had one crash since I've been back. It was, it was pretty brutal. Uh, but I think... It was a reality check for me to say, hey, you know, you're doing this for fun, so let, let's get serious about it. Uh, I was, guess I was just trying to cut some corners there. We needed a new new trainee, some new clutches and things like that, okay. and I was just being slightly lazy from, from being busy, and, uh, you know, it, it cost me a wreck. So I said, no, nah, you don't cut corners. We go in this, and we go full throttle again. Uh, my dad tends to do things over the top like that. He's... He's 110% in or nothing at all. So, uh, you know, I just, I've had to learn that. It's like coming home from work. My wife says, let's get out there. You need to ride, uh, hitting the gym hard. So, uh, you know, I guess just reliving the glory days while still trying to maintain my life as an adult. But 
That's so it's cool all... that it's a family affair, though, too. That's pretty awesome. It is. Mom, mom and dad are both involved heavily. Uh, dad, all of this stuff belongs to him. He stepped out and purchased the toter home, the bikes and everything. I actually only owned one jersey and one set of pants. <laughs> that's the only racing stuff that I had prior to this year. So oh, That's so cool. Um yeah, like you said, it's the glory days. The family's back together. It's like getting the band back together. The family's together doing it, and, uh, you know, that's what this whole thing is about. So, yeah, I like I said, I asked you about, you know, if you had any doubts, and, you know, I'm sure that you appreciate and enjoy it so much more now after your hiatus. You know, I would assume, like I said, you kind of back doing what you used to do. I can't imagine how much joy that brings you now so many years later. Oh, it definitely does. I mean, not that I feel like I took it for granted before, but, you know, when you're younger, you're just kind of living life and you don't realize, uh, you know, all that is going on behind the scenes and the dedication that people have to have to this. Uh, I mean, I trained hard back then, but I have a greater appreciation for that and for all the people involved. Like at Pine Lake, we had, I don't know how many people running around uh, there that had just come to to revisit with my family and watch me race so it was i mean it was incredible and it is it's a joy to me just to be able to have these relationships with people all across the united states uh that's what i was saying on the podium it's like it's an awesome sport that i can be best friends with these guys off the track you know kind of like you guys alluded to in the team usa uh previous podcast yeah i mean we're best friends off the track running around having a great time but when our helmets go on, it's it's time to do business. So just awesome. Yeah, that's that's so cool. And you talk about those relationships and um, all the groups of people, all the people behind it. It sure looked like a bunch of people stepped up to to back you, like nobody even hesitated. You know, when you talk about JB and some of those people you had, you know, that supported you in the past, it looked like they stepped right back up um, when they heard that you were kind of throwing something together and, um, that's pretty cool because you're only as good as the people who support you. You're only as good as your support group. And it looks like, uh, people didn't hesitate and you got a pretty darn good support group now. Yeah, it's pretty awesome considering it was late January before I even decided to get back into this. So, you know, budgets are already set. Uh, but you know, Jody said, we'll do whatever we need to do. So, you know, he's amazing for that. Started making phone calls, uh, the Hetricks. They heard that I was coming out of retirement. They wanted to do the engine work, um, and it really helped me out a lot there. And Casey Greek over at Impact Solutions, you know, he's making the stellar shocks with those Elkas now. And uh, so he wanted to step out in the TT world, and he has really worked his tail off to get me going there. So, you know, it's pretty awesome that last minute budgets are already set, that people were willing to say, hey, let's take a chance on this guy. I know he's been on the couch for 10 years, but – he might still have it. So. It was a it was a question mark, but you're just one of those guys that people want to support. You know, you're such a good guy. You're such a good personality for the sport. The sport's better with you in it. So, um, I it doesn't come as a surprise that people jumped right back in. That's awesome to hear, Cody. I do, I do appreciate uh, those compliments. I do try to carry myself well. Uh, you know, I, like everyone's watching. Uh, I think. It's very important for me to to bring the spiritual side of things to the racing track as well, uh, because that's faith is very important to me. And I think 
I really feel like God has a purpose for everyone. And, you know, his purpose is for me uh, to be at the racetrack and to make relationships and perform on the track. So Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I always viewed it that way, too. And I'm not the kind of guy that's going to that's going to stuff it down somebody's throat if they don't want to hear it, you know, but um, I always viewed it the same way. I think I was given the talents that I have because, you know, I can lead by example. I can be a good role model for, for maybe younger kids, for other people. And um, I, I definitely have always believed that I was given the talent that I have to use it as a platform to try to impact others and make the world maybe a little bit better place. So you're we're on the same wavelength here with uh, with that message for sure. Awesome. We uh so just jumping over to, to one other thing on that, I'm I'm same way, you know, don't want to ever push anything uh, on anyone. Yep. But when something has such a great impact on your life, you can't help but to share it, you know, that that joy is going to be expressed on your face. But go, jumping back into this, uh, we kind of looked at a verse, Luke 137, 137 is my number. Yep. Uh, and it says, you know, with God, uh, nothing is impossible. So I was like, well, you know, even if I don't have it, if it's, you know, truly something that he's wanting me to do, he's going to give me the ability to do it. So it's showing itself out there. Yeah, that's so cool. Like I said, uh, the sport's so much better with you in it. So uh, that's it's just so cool to see after so many years you, you, you kind of coming back. And, you know, so touching on that a little bit, like how much has the sport changed in your time away? Because very few people are going to be able to look at it the way you do because you're not going to have seen it change slowly, but surely you're going to have seen it 10 years ago and now you see it now. So how much has the sport changed over that time? I would say there's been a dramatic change. You know, when I was in it was when the all the factories were going. Uh, it was all one national series. Uh, now it's split into kind of two premier series, three really. Uh, and so it's, it's it structured a lot differently. It was all a night show when I was in it before. Uh, and now you're just kind of in the race order. Uh, I think they did a very good job at Pine Lake of, of putting a night show together. And I believe that's what in the EDT world that we need to transition back to, to really put a spectacle back together because the racing is intense. It's tight. It's awesome. I'm I'm ready to get out to a motocross race and really check that out. Um, but as far as the EDT world, things have have changed a lot. You know, it's still families that are dedicated to this sport, um, to raising their kids in it and having fun, and that's what it's all about. But as far as the way the events are ran, it is uh, it is very much different. Okay, so give us for the people even like me who aren't at the TT events every weekend, give us a sense of the pulse of TT racing right now. Like, like where does that stand as far as strength of the series go? And, you know, what does the future look like for, for TT racing? Well, I think because from afar, from afar, it looks like it's gaining momentum and an event like Pine Lake, I would, I guarantee it is going to get people back into it or it, you know, got those, that blood flowing again in that direction. And, um, it could be, it could have ended up being a huge factor in bringing people back to the sport and growing TT racing. I mean, it could be, could be huge. Definitely. I think, you know, 891 entries, uh, speaks for itself. Absolutely. Alive and well, 
And yes, I mean, some of those are people who don't race on a regular basis. They came out of retirement or, or whatever to get, to participate in it. But when you look at three series that are participating and having, you know, averaging a hundred to 250 riders a weekend, well, you put those numbers together. Those are really actually really good numbers. Absolutely. Um, I don't, I think you, you have between five and 600 people who are, participating in these events uh you know competing for titles so it's it's spread out a little bit um but i think the number of tt racers is actually probably better than than it was 15 years ago that's so. exactly what i thought from afar um it looks like like you said the series might be split but um like you said tt racing is alive and well and the numbers showed it last weekend yeah definitely so um you know, some good guys have, have really stuck with it. Uh, Brad Riley and Chucky Creech are still in the NEDT, and these were guys that I was racing uh, back in the day before I retired. But there's a lot of new guys, a lot of young guns who have, you know, that's the way sports roll. Uh, mm-hmm. New young guns evolve and, and change the complexity of the sport. And, you know, that's the point that we're at right now. There is a, a huge crop of young guys who have an extreme talent uh, that, that I look forward to racing against and, you know, hopefully one day working with whether I develop a team or whatever I do. Uh, there's just an incredible amount of talent out there, a uh, talent pool to choose from. So, yeah, that's awesome. Cause I was going to ask you about, um, the youth racing, um, in TT, because like you said, a sport is only as, is good. It's only as strong as, um, you know, what the, what the youth is in that given sport. So, um, the future of TT racing is, is dependent on, you know, the youth. So, um, you're talking about good up and coming guys. Does that mean that youth TT racing is just as strong as the rest of it? It definitely is. Uh, these DRRs that they're running now, the CVTs are incredibly fast, 55 and 60 miles an hour that these, you know, eight-year-old kids are riding it's crazy to me uh the mods are still out there the 200 400 class is huge uh super competitive and you know it's that's really growing uh brad riley's stepson he races uh they do these 150 mods you know we rode 90 mods back in the day uh those are still around as well uh but definitely a good crop of of youth out there as well that are really competitive as well oh that's awesome um you know we touched on um we touched on you looking up to shane hit and you know what got me thinking of that is talking about the youth stuff but was there any other guys that you looked up to when you were young yeah definitely uh keith little was a big role model for me uh he was over in alabama so he wasn't too far Okay. He would actually race at our racetrack quite often, and I went to riding schools. So Keith Little, um, Harold Goodman, Tim Farr, those were definitely the four guys that uh, that I liked, you know, for sure. Yeah. Followed everything they did, spent hours on end watching their videos and rewinding them on the good 
VHS and then later DVD days, you know. <laughs> I did the same exact thing. And, uh, yeah, same deal, watching the old VHS tapes. And uh, I'd like, you know, when we touched on the GNC, GNC series and how they'd, you know, so there'd be some motocrosses and TTs mixed in there. And um, same thing, I'd watch even the TT race and then I'd rewind it so I could watch that one again. And all those same guys that you're talking about, those were all my favorite guys too for that exact same reason. They were tt guys and uh like i said i was i was was always was always partial to them but just so people know like you know you were uh you were a good moto rider too so um you know what was the what was the highlight would you say of your motocross career so probably 2006 all around both in the tt and motocross world okay uh i stepped into the pro-am class in uh in motocross and that's when, you know, Baldwin had his team with Mark Kendall and Josh Upperman. Yep. Uh, the factories were hot in it. And, you know, I was just kind of a young guy supported by JB. And uh, we went out and competed. I want to say I ended third and fourth in the championship that year. And really, preseason, I was like maybe a 10th place guy. So it was really a, a great year for me all around. Um, had a bunch of podium finishes. And the gate was stacked. I mean, we had... 25 to 30 in every race, I believe. Uh, numbers were crazy, and the talent was crazy too. Yeah, I remember those days um, because it was a big deal for riders in those pro-am classes just to make just to make the final, just to make the to make the 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 second race, the Moto Two or whatever. So um, that was the heyday for sure. Like you said, the factories were still in it, and. Uh, yeah, that was that was fun to watch. So I just wanted to wanted to give you a chance to sh you know tell people that hey you were maybe that people don't remember you were right in the mix of the motocross stuff too. So I did. I I trained you know really hard. I, Thomas and I spent a lot of time together, uh, you know, just months on end together training. And so you know it was pretty awesome because at that next year in 2007. Uh, we actually were on Lost Creek Satellite Suzuki team yeah, yep. in, uh, in Pro-Am there, and we were riding. We had Suzuki support over on the TT side, side as well. In the I pro remember side. that. Yeah, I remember that. So that was, that was uh, like I said, you were one of my favorites because it was TT and Moto together. And uh, we had um, a guy that rode for my dad at the time, Corey Gothier. I don't know if you remember that name, but he was number 137 too, so – uh so yeah i remember those days and i had always followed you and uh it was like one of those like we had a dog in the fight at the time so under the table i'm like cheering for mitch reynolds you know so uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's good to hear you know anytime that you have have a good fan supported that's cool um yeah. you know when you can make those connections with people uh, so i i try to make a point of doing that as well you know since I've been given the ability to go out there and compete at the top. You know, I try to, you know, you and I know we're just normal people, but uh, yeah. not everyone knows that. You know, they view uh, some of the top MX guys as just just on a different level. So, uh, like I said, everyone was kind of awestruck that uh, that uh, Thomas and Jeffrey were there. Uh, they they were just amazed that they would come out and support us. So yeah. kudos to those guys. Uh, for stepping out because you know we all got to work together for the common good of the sport and even though 
you know, GNC, GNCC, the motocross, the EDT world are separate. You know, we all have to work together to propel this thing forward. So. Absolutely, especially in the ATV world because it, even though it's different, still feels like, you know, we're all, it's all the same, you know. Um, at least that's the way I think of it. So, Mitch, before I let you go, let my listeners know, like, what your schedule looks like for the rest of the season and even even a farther outlook than that. What does the future look like as far as as far as far racing for you goes? So uh, the boy goes back to school uh, in just a couple weeks, so we're going to cut back on the racing about one a month. Uh, haven't definitively set what I'm doing. I might make an appearance back out here at Pine Lake uh, in September. Okay. But uh, not 100% sure on that. We're trying to use this year, the rest of this year, as development um, to really seal our program off. So the next year we can we can go at it in the Western EDT uh, and try to go for that championship. And then uh, we're going to put together um, some showdown races as well, where the East and West come and kind of face off one another, uh, do it kind of like the Supercross. Yeah. So that's what everything is kind of building towards. We're trying to get ramped up so that all the top guys are competing against each other multiple times a year. Uh, and and so that's just kind of my plan going forward is develop my program over the next few months, uh, you know, maybe branch out and maybe run cross country. I'm not sure. I've got some opportunities ahead of me. I just have to make uh, decisions as far as that's concerned. But anything to – to really broaden my toolbox of skills uh, so that we can compete for that championship on the EDT side of things uh, and then hopefully develop our team. And I really want to reach out there and find some guys uh, to pour into to, uh, you know, kind of coach them in life, coach them on the track uh, and, and give back what this sport's given to me for sure. Yeah, that's so cool. Um like I said, the the sport is better with you in it, and it's so awesome to see the good things that you're um, you're almost using uh, your racing as a vehicle to to get to where you want to be and have the that kind of platform to help others. Um, I think that that's something that even more people should take note of and and kind of use that themselves. Um, so. Yeah, fantastic. You're a fantastic guy. You had a fantastic weekend. I think that we can officially uh, refer to you as a legend after your performance this weekend. And, um, man, I uh, I can't thank you enough for your time. And, uh, again, it was just uh, congrats on a killer weekend. It's so great to have you on. And uh, we're wishing, wishing you the best um, going forward in all things racing and all things uh, in your life as well. I just uh, – you're such a great guy. I – Appreciate the opportunity um, and, and to, to have you on and you giving us your time. It just uh, means the world to me. Thanks so much, Cody. Uh, keep it going with what you got on Digging Deep. Look forward to listening to it every time. I've got a good group of buddies back home are the same way. They can't wait for the next episode. Uh, you're doing a great thing, and I do appreciate the opportunity to be on here and, and just speak more about our sport. Yeah, well, again, I appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Great job this past weekend, and uh, man, you're you're always welcome here to talk uh, talk motocross, talk TT. Uh, we'd always love to have you. Thanks, Cody. Thanks so much, Mitch. Well, guys, that's it. Episode five is in the books. Our most diverse show yet, for sure, and possibly our best as well. I want to thank our guests tonight, Sean Taylor, Nick Janusa, and Mitch Reynolds for coming on. 
Thanks to my producer, my brother Dallas, for holding down the fort here in the studio, as well as traveling to Redbud for the live show. I couldn't have done it without him. Thank you to Taylor Smith, my better half, for her graphic design work and making the show look so good. She also came to the live show as well, so thanks to her. Thanks to our sponsors, CST Tires, SSI Decals, DID Racing Chain, Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant, Forks Carbon, DP Brakes, 100%, and their newer Mega Goggle, and Oats Overnight. Remember to support the brands that support our show. Thanks to you guys, our listeners. Your continued and growing support keeps us going and justifies all this work. And let me tell you, it's a, it's a ton of work to pull all this together. Thanks to those who interact with the show on social media. I received over 100 fan questions and topic suggestions this week. So I'm going to keep those in my back pocket and do an entire episode covering um, your questions and topics. So thank you, thank you, thank you to all of our listeners and all um, that interact with the show here. Now I have some really exciting news, but it's not officially official yet. I got asked by our friend Harv Whipple at the AMA if I'd be willing to do another live show. This one would be following the finale at Ironman on Friday, August 23rd. Um, Man, it's pretty awesome that we're making a big enough impact and an impression on the sport that the higher-ups are seeing the value in what we're doing here. Um, so stay tuned for news about, about that live show. Again, it's not officially official, but um, I'm pretty positive it's going to happen. So to ensure you don't miss anything about the live show or anything else going on in ATV Motocross, follow myself, Cody Jansen, and the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to the show. Tell your friends if you like what we're doing here. Share our posts and help us grow the show if you love ATV Motocross as much as we do. Again, awesome show tonight. Thanks again to all. I can't wait to see how the championship and everything plays out at Loretta Lynn's. And you can count on us to be back to talk about it following the event. With that, I'm Cody Jansen. And until next time, thanks for listening to and joining us in digging deep with the stars of ATV Motocross. Mm -hmm.